0: Stupid!
1: He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where did he want me
2: to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone. Good news, guys! I'm totally not salty about Valtteri Bottas's superhuman reaction times. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. I really- you are the world champion! 0.198, damn it! Um, yeah, hi guys, welcome to episode 94 of Motorsport 101. I am your friendly neighbour, Mister Mr. Andre Harrison. Pleasure to have you with us again for another episode. And uh, we have... Well, t- one usual pretender and one person that isn't. Uh, first up in the blue corner, as always, Mr. Ryan King. Hello, sir.
1: Yes, yes, glad to be here on this glorious, glorious race weekend in New York City.
0: First yes. a race uh, in New York. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh my
1: god,
2: Zoe, you're upsetting King already. That's not. A, that's that's not. A, we, we've been recording for like literally several seconds and. You're already trying to upset King. <laughs> That's my job. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you about sorry. it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I won't deny this. Also, I have beef with you, King. Oh, oh, why? You've, you've adopted Valtteri Bottas as your new man.
1: Uh, yeah, I was kind of like just putting it off until like the last possible moment. I didn't feel I wasn't ready to commit... <laughs>
2: Zoe, you better answer that phone because I fucking called it. (laughs) I called this months ago. I was right all along, and this is what happens. I'm going to gloat about this for several seconds. (laughs) Suck it, King. I was right. You couldn't deny it any longer. I I read you like a book. knew that was going to happen. I knew it. He's a mercs guy. He was never going to root for Hamilton. Process of elimination. Like, this is not... This This, this wasn't rocket science, people. Hey, hey, hey.
1: It could have been Vettel.
2: I'm very disappointed you've chosen to go against the allegiance here. <laughs> <laughs> you will pay dearly for your consequence. Like, there'll be consequences to your actions, because we here at Most Water One do not tolerate failure. Oof. You can't see, but I'm stroking my cat right now as we speak like a <laughs>
0: We, we don't tolerate failure yet. You've got me here. The Marco fan.
2: Well, I, <laughs> Mo, Mo, Motorsport 101 is a firm believer in charitable causes. And in this case, receiving mm-hmm. her hat-trick ball for her third appearance on Motorsport 101, it's Zoe Hamilton, ladies and gentlemen. a t shirt. You've already got a t-shirt, a greedy kid. what a S- save them for the rest of our 14 fans <laughs> <laughs> The rest of our 14 fans how you, how you doing, sweetheart? All good?
0: Yeah, not bad
2: Excellent Being uh, scared of the in... big
0: ball of gas that's currently outside I'm in Scotland, this thing should not be here
2: <laughs> <laughs> So what should be that instead? I- nothing
1: Yeah, this, gray, this, gr- this massive grey void
2: We have a
0: weather called nothing
1: Really?
0: Yeah, it's not sunny, it's not cloudy, it's not windy. It's nothing.
2: Yeah, you either have clouds or you don't have clouds. Like like, like
0: <laughs> No, but you've never pretty... seen that weather where it's like it's not sunny but it's not cloudy. It is just there's nothing.
2: Yeah, I, w- I would argue with you more on this one, but unfortunately I live in London where it's just nothing but air pollution, so I can't really argue with this. Like I know exactly what she's talking about because right now in London it's nothing but cloud everywhere, <laughs> just just subtle miserable cloud as we record this on, on Tuesday evening. Um, and I'm saying this in advance is thank Christ we're recording this on Tuesday because if <laughs> we were recording this yesterday, we'd have missed a literal bucket load of news. Um, more we on that in a minute. Missed-
1: all the news
2: <laughs> yeah everything came out today everything like you wouldn't believe it But we'll I, get I think to the news section. i think
1: all God. but two of the news stories that we're covering broke today <laughs> pretty much
2: and uh yeah more on that towards the end of the show But let me get the general housekeeping out of the way you can find us on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101 we're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We are on Twitter. We are at uh, Motorsport underscore 101. I personally am on Twitter at Harris101HD. King is at Ryan Eric King. That's with two Ks. Please berate him without supporting Valtteri Bottas no. because he's now, because it means he's budded up with Chris Cook and nobody wants that. Um, <laughs> and you can follow Zoe at Zoe exactly how you think it's spelled. Um, shout out to RJ he's at RJ O'Connell he's not here this week he's currently buried in T-Mobile training courses we wish him well hopefully he'll be back next week but um, let's get into keeping it going on King. I heard there's a race in New York this weekend. Apparently, it's the first one ever.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa! Sl- slow your roll down there, because like it's been it plastered about in like all the radio ads for the race that I've heard so far. Uh, I think Real Racing 3 announced their partnership this weekend. I, that it's gonna start this upcoming weekend, and also mention that this is the first race ever in New York City. That is wholly not true. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you're not happy about this, are you?
1: No, I'm. I'm not happy about this at all. <laughs> like, I mean,
2: if, if you're hot, King, say you're hot. I mean,
1: <laughs> oh, I mean, that'd be like saying that um, the first British Grand Prix took place in 1950, and everyone knows that's not true.
2: <laughs> what do
1: you mean it didn't happen before 1950? That's the only year, I know. <laughs> yes, yes, racing, you're, you're racing. you say
0: there's racing beyond Formula One. Wasp. Yes, yes Lovely. Yes, that like Juan
1: Manuel Fangio did not begin his racing career as a mere fifty-year-old man. He was, <laughs>
2: but yeah, like
1: <laughs> it's 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 legitimately the first race in New York City in a long, long time. Like, true. I think uh in in the New York area, it's the first race in about twenty years since IndyCar raced over at the Meadowlands where Giant Stadium is and F1 tried to race here for a n- multiple occasions since like at least the early late 70s, early 80s, but there have been races here in New York City. <laughs> and probably the most recent race I can find was uh, the, the Aster Cup races where like most people know the Aster Cup as IndyCar's championship trophy today. <laughs> But there used to be. You you mean the one you trashed last year on our podcast, saying it's not even all that as a trophy? Yeah, because the Astor Cup only ran twice. Good point. Like, the only reason why IndyCar chose the Astor Cup was because um, the Astor Cup races were organized by uh, Carl Fisher. He's also the man who built the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Oh, I see. It was, oh, um... Yeah, the race was called the Astor Cup because it was funded by Vincent Astor of uh, the New York Astors, one of the old wealthy families in New York. Most people, like, uh, there's a neighborhood in New York City called Astoria, which is named after his family. Uh, Vincent Astor, oh, yeah. hi- Vincent Astor, his dad, John Jacob Astor IV, died on the Titanic. <laughs> Shit.
0: Is he the one who's, who stood there with his, like, butler? And we uh, yeah. had a smoke.
1: Yeah. how right, you
0: get on the ship. Get on the boat. <laughs> I'm gonna go and have a smoke. With this guy. We're going down. Bye bye.
1: Yep. That, that was him. That was it. <laughs> and even before then, like New York City, like half of half of IndyCar's inaugural season was held in New York State. Two of the races were in New York City. One of the races was actually held like about half an hour walk away from my house. To say that, like, this is the first race in New York City ever, that is a huge leap.
2: Yeah, it is a bit of a leap. Um, God. But, like,
1: like, I'm willing to even make the jump to say that international motor racing today only exists because of New York City be careful where you say that King you might get assassinated for for comments like that well, well <laughs> it's true well, but well the the first international competition for motor racing arguably the first world championship was the Gordon Bennett cup and Gordon Bennett was a New Yorker true <laughs> yeah like it he owned the the New York uh the New York Herald which was a newspaper that sadly doesn't exist today, and his Indeed. father, his father founded the paper. Uh, James Gordon Bennett Senior, Senior. He immigrated to New York from Scotland. Gotcha. <laughs> and there's also, you know, the Vanderbilt Cup, which probably m- made racing, probably made European Grand Prix racing popular in the United States. Having European cars race in New York was founded by, you know, the Vanderbilt family. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, New New York, first race ever, guys. Apparently, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm here for
2: it. I'm here for its motorsport debut on on, on Saturday. I mean, oh, for actually,
1: it. actually, the Gordon Bennett Cup probably wouldn't have happened if if like the the Bennett family kicked their son out of the country after um, he went to go visit his fiance's family and uh, peed in their fireplace. <laughs> You was <laughs> yeah, actually, we don't know if it was the fireplace or the grand piano he pe- apparently he peed in one of them, upset his fiance's family, and pretty much his family was like, "Yeah, you can't live in New York anymore, uh go move to Europe, and he moved to Paris, <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my gosh,
1: and then that's... that's that's how international motor racing was founded because. One man got kicked out of a country by his own family for peeing in a piano or fireplace.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> that, that is one hell of a story right there. That's, that, that's going to be one to tell the grandkids. Yeah, like, I like that the second line goes, and then I peed into the fireplace.
1: And we're, <laughs> we're also like the other story about how the, the actual first race in New York City was actually organized by uh, Cosmopolitan Magazine. Yeah, I remember you telling me that one before oh. actually. That that's that was um different. Yes. to say the least. Yes. Um, a, a women's magazine organized the first race in New York City, which involved a woman being hit by one of the cars in the race. Oh.
0: I don't think that's gonna improve her sex life though. That <laughs> oh my God. Actually probably would be one of their tips. Oh Try, get <laughs> Try
1: getting hit by a car. Try getting hit by a car.
2: Not not unless she's got a sulfur fetish. Uh, besides that, probably not <laughs> But um, right. speaking of um, interesting forms of race coverage uh, we are, I have to talk about this, I have to talk about Austria's coverage now I i don't normally watch Sky Sports F1 I did via totally legal sources this weekend because Channel 4 didn't have this one live thanks a bunch, Channel 4 I thought Austria was one of the better rounds to get turns out you didn't actually miss too much but this was inevitable. This was going to come to a head. It was the first, obviously, it was the first Sky Sports F1 race weekend since Baku and the clash heard around the world. And we got, like, a shit ton of pre-race coverage um, regarding, um, obviously, Hamilton and Vettel, the incident, the obviously, the, the aforementioned lack of punishment since then. Obviously, the FIA, you know, meeting happened the week before. All that good shit. And um people at Sky I mean, people watching Sky were mad as hell. Um like I I wrote a piece about it this 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 afternoon as on the Tuesday we're recording this on Motorsport101.net, where you can find all that written content. And I called it Sky Sports. I don't like it, but I understand. it, it was a reference <laughs> to one of my favorite stand-up sketches of all time from Chris Rock. I think King knows exactly what I'm talking about yes. when I say this. Um, and that, that's how I summed it up, because that, that's how... That's how like, cause I, I, I can't believe I actually caped for, for Sky Sports a little bit. Just just a smidge it, because... Traitor. <sighs> how dare you. <laughs> I am a lot of things, Zoe, but I am reasonable above all else. Um... Yeah, I I defended Sky to a degree because I like what were, like, what else were you going to be here to talk about for the hour going into the hour and a half going into a Grand Prix? This was their first broadcast since Baku. Of course, they were going to play catch up and you know, keep people informed and talk about it. It it was kind of inevitable. It's like, did I like it? No, because they over-egged the pudding completely. And like I've seen friends talk on Twitter debate this and say that oh you know well. They're British, of course they're going to talk about this, you know, etc. It's okay because they're a British broadcaster and Lewis Hamilton was involved, of course they're going to talk about it. First of all, people, let's get this straight. Just because a broadcaster is biased doesn't necessarily mean they get a pass from what they put on their channel, okay? I watched last year's Wimbledon mostly on mute pre-game coverage because they were glossing over Andy Murray every two friggin' seconds. Don't
0: forget Fred Perry.
2: They never mention him, Um, (laughs) but you get the drill in that sense. It's a a sense that just because a regional broadcaster backs their own from their country doesn't necessarily mean I have to like it. And yes, of course they're going to do it because – patriotism and sports goes hand in hand, obviously. It's an it's an inevitable part of it because we all root for our own. Well, most of us do anyway. Um, the Olympics, Wimbledon, which is obviously going on this week, you name it. Like, any world championship that has a level of, you know, regional interest will get talked about. I mean, Roy McIlroy at every golf tournament, same deal. You know, I could go on and on about this. And we, we've talked about it before. Sky and the Hamilton Network. So, like again this is not as, this is not as this doesn't get talked about if it's if it's Perez and Grosjean beating each other up in the midfield this is this was a clash between the two biggest names in formula 1 the two like, two of the best 10 drivers i think i've ever seen two of the best ever you know this has been this was the may of a Pacquiao of title fights for this season because people had always wanted this we've never really had Hamilton versus Vettel head to head like this before in an F1 season You know, 2012, obviously Fernando Alonso played a massive part in that season, but this is the first real Hamilton versus Vettel title fight, brackets, maybe including Val, but close brackets. But you get the gist. This was like two heavyweight fighters getting in the ring after years of hype. And so, of course, they were going to talk about it. And that was the point I was going to make, is that, yeah, if I'm a broadcaster, I probably would do the same thing annoyingly, as much as it begrudges me to admit.
1: But you have to admit that there is a line, like... like, Oh, absolutely! Like, NBC's coverage of the Olympics is, like, without a doubt, pro-American, but even they realized there was a line when they crossed that line back in the 2012 games when they, you know, decided to, uh, skip the memorial for the 7-7 attacks because they thought Americans would understand. Oh.
2: Okay, that's not good.
1: Yeah, yeah. There, there's a line. There's a line.
2: Shit. Um, geez, that, that's that's not pretty. Mm-hmm. But um, um, can't. Yeah, sorry. I'm just trying to wrap my head around all this, but. Yeah, there's a line. And I think Sky may have tiptoed over that line a bit. I mean, I I saw many people that were absolutely incensed that they were going on on about this. I mean, it started on the Thursday. We don't get hype for pre-race like or pre-weekend driver press conferences. But of course, we did for this one because it was Hamilton and Vettel in the in, in the same presser I wonder who came up with that idea and um, by the way shout out to poor Kevin Manson had to sit in the middle of him like twiddling I, his thumbs because it was like well why am I here <laughs> I'm still
0: disappointed he didn't do what Mark had done during the indie press conference and just walked in and sat down and went anyone got any questions for me regarding Vettel and Hamilton he should have done that <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's like, can we just get this out of the way now so I can go and get, you know, go to the toilet or something or do a debrief? Because, like, we all know the real reason why you're all here, (laughs) basically. And, like, even, like, Crofty, who basically said, like, oh, yeah, I've heard more fans, like, ask for further questioning more than fans that are telling people to get over it. And I'm like, no way. No friggin' way. Not a single... Like, I, I said on Twitter, I was like, there is, I don't believe that for a second. There is no way on God's green earth that, <laughs> by any measure, that there, there were more fans on the internet calling for further questioning. Like, we live in a 24-hour news cycle, and this is this is the point I was going to make to a certain friend of mine as well on the internet that won't be named talking about this. That I said, listen... I get that Sky are trying to appeal to casual fans, but they have ways of doing that. Like they have Sky Sports News, which is free if you're a Sky customer, and they play like if, if anyone's ever watched Sky Sports News, they play the same stories every half hour pretty much. Like it's 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 a rotating loop unless there's breaking news. They might as well just have, like... If somebody recorded the same half an hour of TV and replayed it every half hour for, for like, three hours, you probably wouldn't notice it was, like, a repeat. Because it's the same stories every half hour, pretty much. Unless there's something that breaks and comes through. Like, you know, it's signing Romelu Lukaku. Lit. Um, But, in yeah, it's one of those things where they have Sky Sports News. And I've said it before. If you're a casual F1 fan, you're not paying all that money for Sky Sports F1. Like, the go, like, you have to be a Sky Sports customer to have Sky. So you're paying on top of a Sky package already. You're paying, I reckon, about 50 quid a month for Sky Sports F1 on top of a TV package. You've probably either got a phone line or internet. Um, so
0: It does yeah. occasionally show up elsewhere because, like, I'm with Virgin and it's Sky Sports Mix or something. I want to the races have been on there.
2: Like I, I, I think it's part of their rules; they have to put like a couple of races out there for more customers to get a hold of because of the exclusivity and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like like they have ways of getting this out there, and everybody watches Sky Sports News. Like it's because it's on every Sky package in the land for free. If you're if you want Sky Sports F one, you've got to pay a premium on top of a premium. So. I don't think a casual guy is dropping fifty quid a month just to watch Formula One, mm-hmm. unless they have more money than sense. Because Channel Four exists still for now. Like you've got half the races live; the others are, are, are given extended highlights, where you basically get the whole race anyway. Like if you're someone on the on the casual side of the spectrum, you're not paying all that because you've got Channel Four. So, mm-hmm. I or don't, you're going like, down
0: to your friend; it's the diehard that has it.
2: Exactly. Or you go to a pub and watch it, because pubs have Sky Sports now. So, like, there's ways around this. And, like, if, if you're not a hardcore, like, you're not dropping the best the best part of 500 quid a year just to watch Formula One on, on Sky. Like, I doubt very many of those people exist. So, I don't believe in the whole Sky's going to the casual fan nonsense or the whole regional gets a pass because they're, they're over-egging, they're putting on British dudes. I don't buy into that at all um so
0: should we talk about the tweet or we'll see that till later
2: which which tweet was this
0: the they didn't shake hands but they did but they didn't
2: oh yeah oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah so after qualifying um we saw it like on the hard camera that lewis hamilton and vettel did shake hands after qualifying immediately after they got out of the car um but very famously, I think it was Davide Valsecchi that was doing the post-qualifying interviews. I didn't actually see qualifying live, but I, I, I heard it was Davide Valsecchi,
1: yeah, is so that right? it was, it was Davide Valsecchi, ah. <laughs> our, 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 our
2: favorite over-enthusiastic Formula 2 commentator. Um, yes, Davide, he offered, like, the chance of a public handshake. They rejected it only because they'd already done it. Um, so, of course, Sky tweeted that they snubbed the handshake. Everybody in the comments was like, but they already shook hands because we saw it on the hard camera and posted screenshots and video footage. And then Sky was like, oh, no, wait, they actually did shake hands previously. No, but here's the video clip anyway of them not shaking hands when offered because Sky Sports F1 have no souls. <laughs> it's
0: our common sense
2: or common sense. It was like, oh, no, sorry, we, we got it wrong. We corrected ourselves. But here's the clip anyway, <laughs> just in case you missed it. Um, it's just like that, that's just ira- like that's just irresponsible journalism. At that point, it's like, why are you posting a clip that's not relevant or one that is factually inaccurate? Uh, it's just Sky need to do better in that sense. Um, I really should probably have put in that article but the fact that 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 was a line
1: that they crossed on that one, and that was stupid to say the least. It was almost. Go again. It was almost not if they were. Trying to uh, follow a narrative, but make their own. That they had a narrative set up, ready to go, but some like something that directly conflicted with their with their narrative came to light. You mean Sky made up their own narrative? They never do that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh, yeah, it pretty much was that. It's like you know, okay, there's a story here. Okay, there isn't really a story, but here's the story anyway. We want you. We want you to click this and watch and make out like they didn't shake hands. They don't like each other. I mean, Lewis pointed it out on Thursday. They were like, "Listen, I've got no animosity towards Seb anymore. It's a done deal. It's a line in the sand." Um, like, and I think he even said at one point to a journalist, "It was like, I think you guys are trying to make out that we don't like each other, but but it's not that." And <laughs> And I think, I think it was Crofty that asked Seb, like, oh, why have you taken so long to apologise? And it was like, well, you don't have my phone number. <laughs> Which I thought was a brilliant diss in response. It's like, um, I get it. I mean, I get both sides of the argument there, but lol, basically is my short answer for that one. Sky's got to do better, man. Like, I hope that, they, that we don't, this doesn't get mentioned again, but it's the British Grand Prix this weekend. God help us all. Um, basically, like, this is like Christmas for Sky Sports F1 so oh boy um, so good luck to all the 140,000 people that's going to be down there for the weekend and to all 50,000 of you on the Thursday it's going to pay through the nose to see Johnny Herbert fall over on a swag way um, have a good one with that um, hope, you didn't, hope you didn't have to pay too much on the mortgage to make that happen more on that later but um, yeah Sky getting on my damn nerves, they're not completely terrible but yeah, yeah like, they, they need to do better. They,
1: they probably have, like, out of any broadcaster I've seen for Formula 1, the best production values. Absolutely. Their production is great, but hey, at least they're not ITV levels of smuggery. <laughs>
2: Ain't that right, they, Zoe? <laughs> yeah,
0: well, they've still got Brundle. <laughs> they, they're well, something's they're There are remnants change. of the ITV. They've not got the full package, so they can't quite get the same smugness.
2: Side note before we get into F1, by the way, like, Martin Brundle requested a shoey. Martin Brundle is a weird man. Okay. No, he
0: didn't, no, he didn't just request a chewy. He then was like, oh, I need some more, like, I need several of them for charity as well. What? Was, <laughs> yeah, that was, he was asking for, like, four. He needed four for charity, and it was like, could you have just done the shoeie and then got this sorted later? Because it, it was like last time you had dc just started undoing daniel's fearless and just left it to him and it was like martin was it it was like it was always like martin had to top him like the fact that it's going charging that is all good and well but it was that kind of a i need to do one better than dc
2: it might have been you know what drivers are like with egos you know and you know broadcasting rivals and good mates and all that (laughs) um so, yeah, that, that could very well have been a thing. But well, was that really for charity? Like, I've not seen anybody mention that Martin Rundle needed shoeies for charity. Like, it seems like he almost just dropped that in there to like as a pity plea or something. Nah, no. Nah. Uh, my,
1: my feelings about shoeies align with my new boy, Valteri <laughs> Botas. <laughs> it was like,
2: nope, none of this. That, <laughs> that, this. that was
1: when I knew. That was when I knew.
2: Even I have to admit, like, I was like, Okay, maybe I. May, okay, maybe King had a
1: point. Um, <laughs> uh, because King hashtag. What is it now? Oh God, I, I, I've lost hashtag. What's the new hashtag?
2: He's forgotten. He's He's forgotten the catchphrase. I'm so disappointed. Oh hashtag shoe
1: sure shot. No, the other one. Oh, damn. Regarding it. <laughs> Hashtag
0: 7-Eleven
2: No, <laughs> you people are terrible. It's, <laughs> It's hashtag the shoey is fucking awful.
1: Oh, that's, yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, dear. I hope that works out. It's, uh, I've yeah, now got that- an
0: image of Daniel going to a 7 Eleven and getting a shoe filled with slush. <sighs> Enjoy that.
2: <laughs> While my head has now been mentally scarred for some time. I'm going to try and move this along into talking about the Austrian Grand Prix itself. (laughs) I'll put put a musical break in here right now so I can go and arrange therapy. Gave me the all clear. Um let's talk about the Austrian Grand Prix. Well the rest of it, and it's the Botas hour for the first twenty minutes of this show, so hope you hope you stretch out and ready for it, King. Um so yeah. Let's talk about your new man's. He uh, he won in Austria. Yay! He now has more wins than Max Verstappen, isn't that good?
1: <laughs> whoa, 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 he already had more wins than Max Verstappen.
2: <laughs> Did he?
1: Hang on, he only had we only had one before this. He was tied. Oh yeah. I completely forgot that Max Verstappen had won a race. <laughs> See, King's already slacking on his on his boy's own win count. Terrible. No, no, days. no, no. It was, I, I knew Botas had two wins. I didn't know that I didn't know that Verstappen had one. <laughs> Plastic fan,
2: um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Val takes the win, and the controversy started right from the start. King is uh, your man's was a bit close on that start, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, he was what his he was less than a thousandth ahead of the lights going out. Yeah,
2: um, I'm going to be scientific here and try to explain this in best in best fashion as I can. So. Uh, <clears throat> The reaction time of Bottas and the red lights was apparently 0.201 of a second, according to the FIA rules. And I think Will Boxer had a chat with Charlie Whiting regarding this. He considers anything under two tenths to be subhuman. Um, the av- like a really good human's reaction time, is about a tenth and a half. Apparently, about the same as a blink of an eye um, it's why in track and field, anything with an attempt of the gun going off is considered a false start because no human being could actually react that quickly, it means you basically try to predict the gun which is why when people brag about this F1 Flash game that's come up the other day and say oh yeah, my reaction time was like
1: .019 it doesn't count, you predicted it, you asshole. Yeah, um, you, you knew it was coming, so you could actually react before it actually happened because human beings can't react
2: that quickly, um so basically, the rules suggest that anything, like if you can't try to predict the red lights going out, basically. Um, Botas' reaction time was 0.201. They consider anything under two temps to be what they consider subhuman. So Val may have technically won this race by a thousandth of a second. Yeah, he, he, he rolled a dice and he won. And he won. <laughs> Because if you watch it in super slow
1: motion, the wheels did start rolling before the lights went out. And I'm pretty sure, um, like, on video, because if you watch it at, like, if you watch it at 30 frames per second, it's you only see the car rolling ahead of the lights for one frame. That is how quick it was. Yeah, yeah it, it's, Anthony it's, it's very, very, very kept close. going on about that. Yeah.
0: It's like, it's the same on this frame! This frame! This <laughs> frame! I <laughs> had this one frame and they wouldn't stop about it.
2: Bless him, like it would it would be it would be the most Sky F1 thing to focus on the one frame that he may have had the wheels roll. it's a shame because bless him, because I love Anthony Davidson's coverage. He's one of the few glowing stars of Sky Sports coverage in general. It's like Anthony, come on man. You're you're reaching a little bit here. Just just a little bit. But um, it was basically a perfect start, and I'll be—I'll be, I'll be the first guy to hold my hands up and say it. When when the race started, I turned to Ryan who was watching and immediately said that Ryan, my brother, brother Ryan, rather than Ryan King. I turned to him and said, "He jumped that start." I was dead certain he jumped it, <laughs> like because I've watched enough track and field to know when someone jumped a start, and I thought he's jumped it, and he didn't. It reminded me a lot of what happened in MotoGP a couple of years ago at Mugello, where Andre Iannone went off. From his pole position slot at exactly 0.00 as to when the lights went out. But in MotoGP the rules are different. Where it's basically anything under 0 is a jump start. Anything after that is fine. It's a bit more straightforward. So basically he only jumped the start. But got away with it because that's the rule book. It's a technicality more than anything else. He jumped it but it doesn't technically count as a jump start. Hooray for technicalities and rule books and whatnot. So Val got away with one, literally by a, a thousandth. You jammy git King. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah, Val goes on to win the race. Semi-comfortably from there. He was great in the first half of the race. It seemed that Seb had the better car in the second half of the race on the Super Soft tyre, where Seb was reading him in towards the end, and we got yet another really close finish um, towards the end. Three laps or so to go. Seb's in DRS range, doesn't quite get close enough for the win. Val wins the race by 0.6 of a second. And Seb is really salty after it in the race record. He was absolutely adamant that Val jumped the start. I remember like, in the press conference after the race... He was told Val's reaction time. And then Seb was like, I don't believe (laughs) (laughs) it," And everyone just started laughing. (laughs) It was like, I'm not sure that's accurate. (laughs) He was straight up just mad salty about it. I can't blame him. It's like, it's the second time this season he's been narrowly beaten by Val over the line. Um, And again, Ricardo said it too. Ricardo was pretty sure he jumped it as well. But no. He got away with it. What a guy! And again, a very well driven race from Val and uh, King. Like at this point, you fell in love. Hmm? Yes, yes. <laughs> it's like he shut down my man's defensively for the second time in four rounds, and, and then that, thought, that was the moment I thought, "Yeah, I'm going to be a Boats Ass fan now." <sighs> King, you will pay for this dearly. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, a great finish, and I have to say, a salute to Val. Very well-driven race. Great defensive driving at the end, not to cave under the pressure, even though I reckon if that race was one lap longer, hmm, again, (laughs) like me in the Vettel camp is sitting here just going, I'm getting really tired of all these near misses. In qualifying and in races, like, this keeps happening. It's so infuriating. (laughs) I can't moan too much because, hey, Seb was second and Lewis Hamilton was fourth. We gained another six points. I'm not moaning. I didn't think that win was on. And all of a sudden it was. Hooray!
0: Also, um, Valtteri is closer to Lewis than Lewis is to Vettel at this point.
2: He is indeed. Um, As of right now in the championship, Val is only 15 points behind Lewis Hamilton, who himself is 20 points behind Vettel for the championship lead. So... Val's
0: Not now bad
2: 30... for a number two driver, <laughs> etc. Insert Mark Webber jokes here, because I mean, let's be real here, gang I think Val's doing a bit better than I thought many people were probably thinking he was going to be this year, right?
1: Yeah, as someone's first year in a in a you know a race win contending car, this is extremely impressive. Yeah, I mean, we're almost we're almost at the
2: halfway point in the season now. I mean, it's it's it, it's Silverstone next, and then we're halfway through technically ten out of twenty rounds. But for for Val to be only fifteen points behind Lewis, given that Val had a DNF in Spain as well um, due to a due to a car failure as well, so like on paper he should probably be even closer than that, maybe even a point or two ahead, given that he was in third place when that failure happened. So. You know, I don't want to play devil's advocate too much here, but you know, Valor's in range. He is doing a very, very good job, and heck, we could have a freeway title fight if this keeps going. I don't. I'm not sure how much Lewis is going to be keen on that because Lewis was dejected after finishing fourth in that race. Like, I don't know if you saw it, King, or saw some of the post-race stuff,
1: but Lewis was real disappointed at finishing in fourth place. Yeah, let's. I didn't see much. I saw his interview, though. But, yeah, he was definitely not happy to, you know, start eighth and only get up to fourth place. Yeah, because
2: Merckx has always been really strong here. Like, Merckx have had, like, multiple one-two finishes in Austria. This is one of their strongest rounds on paper. Like, I was looking at it and I'm saying, I think Lewis could still win this race from eighth place. I mean, the qualifying didn't go to plan. He qualified third when he looked really, really quick. Wasn't able to put a lap together towards the end. Um, had to start from 8th off of the 5 place grid penalty which wasn't due to Baku you idiots um, sorry I had to get that one off my chest um, but uh, <laughs> only finish only finishing 4th after starting from 8th I am a bit surprised I was thinking at least podium here and he was in a tight scrap with Daniel Ricciardo at the end I mean King I did not think Daniel Ricciardo would be that competitive this weekend
1: no you 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 never think that any of the red bulls are going to be competitive but that's where they always catch you they always they always somehow get a you know a podium slot that's why you always see ricardo doing shoeys what this is ricardo's fifth consecutive podium (laughs) Like, uh
2: yeah exactly and i didn't realize that until they mentioned it on channel four i was like um god this is ricardo's fifth podium on the bounce given that there's four cars in the field that's better than him right now yeah that's impressive stuff and again ricardo beat raikkonen purely on merit like in the race itself even though raikkonen is clearly in a faster car um so yeah ricardo doing a brilliant job right now he reckons he's in the title race king i think that might be a bit lofty bless him
1: (laughs) yeah like uh do not i d I don't I don't think Ricardo's in the title hunt. He he needs more race wins, but
0: maybe he's sitting there going, Right, if Halton and Vel keep fighting and they both get disqualified <laughs>
2: <Hey>. <laughs> And if Valtteri Bozas like takes the rest of the season off, you know <laughs> I'm, I'm right in there. But um yeah, props to Ricardo, and not, like his fifth straight podium, great drive from him, great holding off of Hamilton, and great Lions roar after the race itself, by the way, I thought that was, uh, I've never seen a man so hyped in a good car to finish third, and just going, <laughs> he must have been really tightly clenched in there, um, bless him, but uh, yeah, off form Lewis this weekend, definitely, I was surprised, that you know, qualifying third, and then, well, uh, well third, technically eighth, and then finishing fourth was a bit surprising for me on that one, I didn't think Lewis would be that far off the place but hey it's Silverstone this weekend which means lewis is probably going to win hooray can't wait <laughs> but um what a couple other big bits of drama that was in the race the opening lap um which both williams shot up like eight places each um shout out to felipe Massa and lance stroll for both getting in the points after an awful qualifying session but uh most had rosin up
0: at at one point
2: yeah, he was. Like, like What's Grosjean doing up there? Oh. Um, and
0: then he got screwed by DRS.
2: Because of course
0: he did. I hate DRS. Because it's like, he got there because he had a good start and like the other cars couldn't pass him until they were close enough to use the DRS. They needed the DRS to pass him and it's like, that's not fair because he he's just a sitting duck. He's legitimately close.
1: I mean, that, that's the way how it was when, you know, the cars are still a lot draggier and, you know, they, you know, you had indie car style you know, slipstreaming. Now you can't have uh-huh. that anymore because you, the aerodynamicists are just so good that they needed to have DRS. Uh-huh.
0: Exactly. It's, it's just more the like, because you've got to use it, you've got to be within a second, which means when you're, like, what happened with Grosjean was, there's no car in front of them. Yeah. So he can't exactly no. activate it.
1: Yeah, because
2: the front two have got on the way by that point. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So he's just uh, a
0: sitting it, duck. It, I mean, that's been a yeah. few times where the, the cars that have punched sort of further up and it has just been the faster cars got the de- got far enough, be- close enough behind them and then with like the RS on and that's it. They yeah, can't exactly much. do anything. It's, my one pain with the DRS. Like, I don't mind cares and push to pass and all that. Because you can be at least strategic with that. You can't True. DRS is, I'm close enough. Bye-bye.
2: <laughs> Welcome to Formula One, where the poor will always suffer. Um, <laughs> just, just how it is, man. Sorry. Them's the rules. Speaking of poor luck. Daniel Kvyat, ladies and gentlemen, um, doing his best Russia 2016 impression. Um, gets his braking all wrong for turn one, drives all the way into the back of Fernando Alonso, and then Alonso pinballs into the side of Max Verstappen. Both of the aforementioned victims of Kvyat's breaking job were out of the race pretty early on. Um, Kvyat was given a drive-through penalty and two penalty points on his license for that. Also, King, I thought it was quite funny that that Kivyak got two penalty points for that, but Stoffel van Dorn also got two penalty points for ignoring blue flags. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, "Um, this is why people don't like the stewards very much. Um, Yeah, don't get me wrong, Stoffel was a very naughty boy. He ignored blue flags for two whole laps, which just isn't on it's why Raikkonen was swearing on the team radio and to be fair he had kind of a point for once um but yeah Kvyat giving a drive through and two penalty points for it and if you're Max Verstappen like that's now your fifth DNF in the last seven races like Verstappen's season is slowly getting ruined here <laughs> Like so much, so King. Let's talk. He might actually leave the team now. Like people are starting to poke that rumor into them into them mm-hmm. all now. Like, like, like. I think it's just more bad luck than anything else. Mm-hmm. But it's like King, are we are we, we going to start the Merks the, the Mercs, Max Verstappen hype train?
0: No, it's Verstappen to Ferrari, with them holding with Red Bull holding on to signs until they can move him up to Red Bull when Max leaves into for Ferrari in 2019.
2: I mean, when did he
1: start working for Sky, Zoe? <laughs> I mean, why would Red Bull have a plan for when Max leaves? I would assume there would be no plan B, that your future is Max Verstappen.
2: I was going to say, if anything, Daniel Ricciardo is the roadblock. But um...
0: Yeah, but the, the way they're hanging on to, their, the way they're treating Carlos right now is really atrocious.
2: Shall we, should we, should we segue into that nicely? I think we shall. Um, we talked about this in, in in the notes, but yeah, a lot of the pre- a lot of the pre-race talk was regarding Carlos Sainz. I think he was in the Thursday press conference and he made his aspirations quite clear. He wants to drive for the full Red Bull team next year, and he he reckons he probably won't be at Toro Rosso next season. and Christian Horner and, and Helm and Dr. Marco quickly put the kibosh on that one, <laughs> saying that uh, he's confused about this and that he may <laughs> it may be it may be affecting his form. That um, that uh, Carlos Sainz uh, is you uh, making these sorts of claims and that yeah, they were quick to point out that he's got an agreement in place for next season with Toro Rosso already. But uh, King. Carlos Sainz is giving Red Bull a
1: headache, clearly, because he's just that good. Yeah, he's just that good, and the press are acknowledging that he's that good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think think Autosport had a really
2: lengthy premium article about this, talking about uh, even Lewis Hamilton rates Carlos Sainz very highly indeed, and saying that he should be in a bigger seat. And this is the problem. Red Bull's academy has almost been too good here, in the sense of, well, they sniped Verstappen out of Mercedes' fingers. Ricardo's obviously turned out to be fantastic for them. Duh. And now Carlos Sainz is clearly good enough where he's probably outperforming the Toro Rosso baseline. And Red Bull now has three of the eight best drivers in Formula One, probably, and... Only two, yeah. <laughs> only
1: two seats. Only
2: two seats. Only two seats. I mean, I put a poll out there to the audience on my Twitter account the other day saying, uh, if you're Red Bull, what do you do? Do you, do you let do you cut Ricardo? Do you cut Max? Or do you let Carlos walk? And like 78% said let Carlos walk. Because that sadly probably is the best solution for Red Bull. Because they have their lineup for the next five years if, if they want it to be that way. With Ricardo, who is clearly a top four driver. And Verstappen, who is the future of the team. And... A really, really good driver right now at nineteen. So, they've kind I mean, of made their bed here. There's oh,
0: I mean, technically, there is nothing to stop them from like going, send him off to another team, and probably setting up, up a contract so that if something changes within Red Bull, they 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 yank Carlos into that seat. I'm pretty sure they've they've got the people to can sit there and do that contract.
1: But I mean. It- then for Carlos Sainz, it's a matter of waiting and you don't want to be waiting for, uh, you know. No, but
0: whether, like, like get the, the Renault engines and all that, right? You can have them, but if space opens up in Red Bull, then the following year he's in back in Red Bull.
2: The, the problem is he's too good to be a backup driver oh. for, for the Red Bulls team and no Toro Rosso driver has ever done four seasons with the team. Carlos mm. is already up to three. Like, I checked this the other day with a friend of the show, Hazel South, I said, yeah, Verne only did three years. It's like, no no Toro Rosso driver has done four seasons, and they're expecting Carlos to wait a fourth season. And I think that's the problem. Like, Toro Rosso is never going to be a top-tier team, no matter how hard Franz Tost insists otherwise. If it cracks the top five, it's a miracle. So, with that in mind... Carlos's stock is only going to become stagnant. You know who he's going to be king. He's going to be the next Sergio Perez, where like, like Perez had like a brief top tier team run, but McLaren didn't perform like ones. It was just kind of a waste anyway. And then they realized, oh wait, we might as well put Kevin in if we're not going to win right now. But um, that's what it feels like, Timmy. Right now, it's going to be like the next guy that everybody hypes up, but then the wagon will move along because Formula One is such a fast-moving sport and, like, the window may just close on Carlos altogether, and that would be awful given how good a driver he is.
1: Yeah, because there's only a certain amount of seats that could actually win races, and we have way too many drivers for the amount of seats. Yeah,
2: like, we know that, like, one has won, it was won one Grand Prix, and that was a surprising form, form book measure given that, uh, Rebel are the third best car in the field right now. We've we've had, you know, that those are the only three cars that even have a chance of winning a Grand Prix right now. Everybody else is is going to need like deep, deep miracles to win. And Baku came close with Lance Stroll after all, but <laughs> like you can't count on a Baku happening every once in a while. It just doesn't. Not on that level of crazy. So, you're right, like, Red Bull as a team are barely winning races right now. They've won one Grand Prix the last three years, and or, or the last two and a bit seasons. They've only got one win to their name since then. And, you know, two, because Ricardo won at Spa. Oh, no, sorry, Malaysia last season. My bad. So, two. But, yeah, you get the gist in the sense of, yeah, they're not what they used to be. And right now, Ferrari is the, is the main threat with Vettel. So... Yeah, there's there's talent like the academy's just not going to work when there's only two car teams and only one team can win races right now. It's it's not helpful um, to say the least. But that's what it is. And I feel bad for Carlos because he's caught within a rock and a hard place because I don't think any bigger team is going to try that hard to bring him in right now. I mean Ferrari might, but I think the problem with that is that they have to buy signs out of his contract. And as much as it's property time, I don't think they're going to cut Kimi Raikkonen. I really don't like, I have this bad feeling that they're going to give Raikkonen another year <laughs> and, and I'm going to cry because it's going to cost Ferrari to construct his championship. I'm dead certain on this. Like Raikkonen is going to blow it for us. I can tell King. I I, I, I can feel it deep in my soul. That we're gonna like, there's half a chance Vettel will win the drivers, but Merckx will win the constructors, like two thousand and eight all over again, <laughs> but in reverse. <laughs> it's gonna be all sorts of awkward. Um, and like I said, big teams are conservative. They're not gonna roll the dice on young talent like that. Not really. I mean, we saw Merckx could have gone with Esteban Ocon or Pascal Verline. They went with Val, who was, you know, an established veteran name who had good results for Williams. Um, they're not going down the young driver road so much now. Um, neither is well. Red Bull was kind of a freak case because they had to really given Vettel's sudden departure and the fact that Verne was like "fuck this, I'm out," basically. um So yeah, I think right now, if you're Carlos, you're in a bit of a pickle, um, really. But hey, good news, good news, Red Bull fans. Given that Kvyat, you know, drove into the rear of somebody again, given his run of form, we're probably be out of F one by next this time next week. The only blessing is Pierre Gasly's in America for some reason. <laughs> so hey, thank your lucky stars. Also, one more thing before I move on to IndyCar and talk about some corn. Shout out to Kevin Magnussen. I think Magnussen was really good this weekend. It's just he was dreadfully unlucky with. Like he was, def- he was like king. He said he was the fastest, like non-big free runner, in free practice. And then has a suspension failure in qualifying, and then an engine failure during the race.
1: Mm. <laughs> yeah.
0: He managed to get a curse by the the sensors. That was impressive. He did. I <laughs> think oh that's because he held it for so long, though.
2: Yeah, I was like, "Fuck this." <laughs> <laughs> You could see he wanted to punch his own steering wheel in the throat um, as a result of just the sheer frustration of having his weekend basically. Because, because Manton, I think, started like 16th or something, but was back in the points before that failure happened. So. Magnussen was probably robbed of a driver of the day berth, at least, uh, if, if things had continued in that in that upward trend. So Kevin gets all the bad luck, and what happens to double down on this? Romain Grosjean finishes sixth, for his best result of the year so far. Oh, Kevin, that could have been you. Uh, <laughs> just uh, just uh, brutal times for K-Mag. And I, I like K-Mag, I, I want him to do well, because he's a nice dude. He's a funny guy, and I want to see him do well, but it's just, like, brutal, brutal luck for him this weekend. But shout-out to Rogro, because, you know, Rogro is is good for at least one of those a year. The the one I'm going to really punch above my weight drive for the year, and that's probably the one right there. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, shout-out to Romain Grosjean for sixth place. Full result, real quick. Valtteri Bottas wins. Goddamn you, King, by six-tenths of a second over Sebastian Vettel. Daniel Ricciardo was third. Danny Rick only six seconds off the win. Rebel really up there this weekend Hamilton 4th, Raikkonen 20 seconds off the top because Kimi Raikkonen, why is he still here um, etc um, Grosjean was the last man on the racing lap in 6th, a minute and 13 off the top so he was probably about to get lapped himself funnily enough uh, Perez and Ocon, once again the Force Indias sandwiching themselves together 7th and 8th, the two Williams Felipe Massa and Lance Stroll ninth and 10th, good for them um Jody and Palmer! It's his third eleventh placed finish in the last four races. So shout out to Joly. he's actually found a good bit of form lately. Um it's because kinda of funny, King. And then if you saw the like he said he, he copied Holkenberg's driving style and apparently it suddenly made him
1: quicker. That is Oh, that that just leads to more questions, like your driving style before was that bad that just copying <laughs> Hulkenberg led to there being a noticeable difference in your, in your performance.
2: But I'm not even sure that's a thing. Cause like I said, this has been his third 11th in the last four rounds. So like he's not actually improved in terms of finishing position. He's just stayed around the same sort of level. So it's I, like,
0: I, I feel the need to quote Nicholas Parsons when it comes to just a minute and somebody comes last. It came eleventh, but a strong eleventh.
2: <laughs> Showing your age there, Zoe, with a Nicholas Parsons reference. Good lord! Just a
0: minute, <laughs> it's fifty years old. Watch it, just well, like... not watch it. Listen to it. It's a radio show. Just listen to it. Just,
2: just like you, old as hell. Right, <laughs> uh, Stoffel van Dorn in twelfth place. Um, I I think that's actually his best result of the season so far for Stoffel, I think. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I think Stoffel has his best result of the year so far in 12th. Hulkenberg 13th didn't get an ultra soft run at all there. Just a pretty miserable weekend for Hulkenberg in general. Pascal Verlein 14th ahead of Marcus Ericsson. Pascal beat his teammate despite starting from the pit lane. Marcus, um, come get your mans. And uh, Danil Kvyat in 16th, last of the finishes in third place. I think it was basically just an extended test session for Kvyat after the drive-through penalty. Um, four non-runners, as we mentioned. signs who had an engine failure. Poor dude. Awful weekend for him. Kevin Magnussen, who had the engine failure as well. And Alonso Verstappen, that were taken out at turn one. Right, ladies and gents, we're talking about some corn. Yes, all the corn. All the corn, except for in any of the actual race marketing. I think they're missing a trick on this one. Right, no, after this... Qu- you, go, go on, Zoe. Did Defensive you not corn. see
0: the, the break to the ads where you just had them stare at a corn mascot with its creepy, grinning face?
2: America. After this break, we'll talk about the IndyCar Iowa Corn 300. Yay. Okay, folks, let's get corny. Uh, It was the IndyCar Iowa Corn 300, minus a corn emoji next to the hashtag, which I thought was very disappointing. Uh, I feel like they missed a trick on this one. But uh, King, for the first time in 37 months, Spider-Man climbs the catch fence.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. Elio Catroneves lives as he finally gets a victory, ending his winless drought.
2: Yay! The last time Helio Castro Neves won, I think, was the second race at Belle Isle in 2014. Um, Which is amazing when you consider the fact that he's still been a perennial top five contender despite having no race wins for over three years. Mr. Consistency, Helio Castro Neves, ladies and gentlemen, who King still has fantastic hair. He really does. (laughs) He really does. Um, like, I have to say, I'm I'm delighted for Helio, he's one of the real good dudes in IndyCar, and, like, his post-race interview was like, he couldn't believe he had won, um, it was, it was so genuine, so passionate, you could just see the emotion just, like, pour out of him, um, just, he was just so happy to have won a race again, and, um, yeah, just it was just great to see that just that happy spirit because like anyone would say, I think it was Tony Zeno on Twitter that said, "Listen, that is Pete Helio. Like yeah, that is exactly how he is. Like just passionate and just so happy." And that like it was just one of those feel-good wins in IndyCar. And I think that's what their eighth different winner this season already. I want to yes. say yep. yes, we're up to eight. Holy yep. crap! And, that and is, every you know- <laughs>
0: driver has got a win. <laughs>
2: Yeah, in IndyCar and in NASCAR as well. Nudge, nudge. Go, Team Penske. Um, in both their main formats, every one of their drivers has at least one win to their name now. So shout out to all of those dudes. Um, but yeah, as you say, Helio Castroneves gets his first win. He was always like in the top two or three, pretty much the entire race after qualifying. I think he qualified third on the grid behind Hildebrand and Power, who absolutely beat the crap out of everybody in qualifying. Like, King, did you see that qualifying run? He was four tenths a lap quicker than everybody else on an 18-second short oval. How?
1: No clue.
0: <laughs> because he's well power. He has the power.
2: You are so corny, my God. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, if, if the boot fits, right? Uh, yeah, that was Will Power's forty eighth career pole position. Like we I mean, know, we were already like we were celebrating Hedio's fiftieth at Road America this um, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, Will Power, who's like a, almost a decade younger than him, has forty eight. That's terrifying. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, in the race, off Power just couldn't quite get it together on that one. Not quite on the same level. But it was Helio that, like, He was in the mix, and the last portion of the race and, and the experience of weaving through the traffic, he pulled the pin on J.R. Hildebrand. I think he won by about four seconds in the end um, over J.R. Hildebrand. But hey, J.R. actually matched his best-ever IndyCar finish. Um, well, we so don't talk about...
0: into a wall at the end.
2: Yes, yeah, like, I was going to say we don't talk about the other time he finished in second, but way to go, Zoe. Way to, way, way to reopen <laughs> old wounds. You heartless savage! What is wrong with you?
0: Oof. Well, you can. T- it's a change. You can tell there's been changes because when that happened, he w- he had short hair. This time, he doesn't crash and he has that hair. I don't quite know how to describe it, but he has hair.
2: Whatever you call, whatever you say, like don't call it a mullet. Otherwise, Sarah Connor will like stab. Sarah Connor will stab you in your sleep, like she did with me. <laughs> it's like it's not a mullet. There's nothing going on at the front, apparently. So like, I don't know what a mullet is anymore. Apparently, he's now just got the Nicholas Cage hairdo instead. Basically,
0: he's got eighties hair that's trying to be millennial.
2: That's the best way I've ever heard that described. He's got eighties hair that's trying to be. I don't even know. I'm I'm, I'm (laughs) going to go with that. It it, it sounds funny. We'll we'll go with that. But yeah, great job from J.R. Hildebrand. Qualified second, finished in second. Um, Great, great drive from him. This game was fast all weekend. And he had what I had to call a code brown moment where he pretty much, like, he almost lost it going through turns one and two in qualifier. And then I almost crapped myself just watching that. Like, like, J.R., what are you doing? Like, just seeing the bat get out there at hundred and Got 190 miles an hour. Just, whoo! Scary stuff to say the least. But uh, you got away with it on that one. But G.I. Hildebrand second, and a surprise podium from one of your man, Zoe Ryan hunter Ray, in third place. Yes, <laughs> from fifteenth on the grid. Um, what is it with with ovals and bringing out the best in Ryan hunter Ray? Like God bless Captain America because the man's just got some like it's some restart gold in him. It's fantastic. Uh, but, but uh, yeah, Ryan hunter Ray in third. He matched his best result of the season. And, again, from 15th on the grid, great job from him. Um, King, why did a cool guy do uncool
1: things and spin out? Because bumps, fam. Because bumps.
2: Yeah, like, apparently there was a nasty bump on that corner where Michaela Lotion just spins out. And, like... Like, to really rub salt in the wound, it's like they brought up, like, the other two oval crashes that McKinley <laughs> oh sort God. of caused. They brought up Texas, where he was in the Hinchcliffe Sandwich with Tony Kanaan, and they also brought up the uh, the, the crash at, uh, what was it now? I think it was, it was Texas was one, and what was the
1: other Fontana, one? Fontana, the, the massive one that put him out for, like, a year? No, no, it
2: was from this season, where I think it was, oh. it was at the start of racing. He, t- he took out five cars.
1: I can't remember which race it was
2: at. That Phoenix? Was-
0: yeah, that was Phoenix at the start of the... Cause,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, it was like, he spotted and everyone ended up kind of going out trying to avoid him.
2: Because, of course. <laughs> yeah, Michaela Ocean spins and everyone had to get out of the way and it took out a ball day and King was very upset. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Michaela Ocean having a nasty spin out as well. Um, King, why
1: does AJ Foot racing make me so miserable? Oh, my God. I I don't know. I I want them to do well. They have all my favorite guys.
0: (laughs) I I think ABC Supply is always bad cornering supplied.
1: Oh my
2: god. (laughs) (laughs) Zoe, you're never going to mech on this show again. You're too
0: (laughs) (laughs) silly. It's like, how the hell it's like... Like, the... They, the two of them had the exact same accident.
2: Yeah, both just went too far up and hit the wall, and that was the end of their days, effectively. Muminos on lap one thirty-one and Daly on, one, on lap one sixty-nine, and it's just like, oh God, AJ Foyt racing. Sad times, sad times indeed. I. Like, I, f- I feel bad, especially for Daly, because like, Daly needs the oval experience, because you c- can tell he still struggles out there in oval races a lot of the time, and it's just another bad result. Munoz, we know, is a brilliant oval guy and uh, at his best. He's w- among the very best overrunners out there, and it's just Foot just hasn't got anything right now. And they're on Chevy power this season, and they're struggling this bad. Yeah, it's I-, I thought it was
1: going to be the bow tire die here for. for-
2: it's when yeah. you
1: know
0: like Munoz two years in a row was runner up for the Indy five hundred. Yeah. Like it's not even he like was, he's good on ovals, it's he's fantastic on ovals.
2: Yeah, he is legitimately your best shot at a five hundred on paper, pretty much. Like just super consistent in Indianapolis and he wasn't really involved in that one very much either. which just says it all really that AJ Foyt is just terrible right now like come on foy get a get a decent team together um, <laughs> <laughs> do i dare read out the message in the chat yes no. do i dare read it out no. sure sure um the the quote was and and I quote this is Ryan King's words in our Skype chat he goes I literally sent an email to AJ Foy Enterprises asking for a driver interview. <laughs>
1: yes, right now at this exact very moment. King!
2: <laughs> what are you doing? You could have warned me about this. Uh, it's too late. Just roll with it. Let's just hope they pick another show to get an example of what we're all about.
1: Or are we like, just like for- wait to the last possible moment to release this podcast episode. <laughs> Like AJ, if you're listening to this,
2: like we're really sorry for King's insubordination. Whoa,
1: whoa. Um, like as we said earlier, we really want your team to succeed. We like both of your we drivers. Do. <laughs> we do! Lo- we love yes, your and drivers. And there's no
0: green around. There's no green around.
1: Like we we love your drivers. There's no green
2: except for Daly's helmet. And I like that time you punched a dude in the face. Like well, that was great. So like <laughs> please. Harry like, Light like, like Senior. Yes. Yes, please. Um, so, you know, um, if AJ, if you're listening, you know, we'd love an interview. Just saying, please. We hope we haven't upset you too much. Like the, we'll just send don't punch the American
0: me. correspondent.
2: <laughs> yeah, we'll, 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 we'll send RJ over. We'll sacrifice him. Um, <laughs> if we could get daily on the podcast, I would personally wrap like RJ in like mail pack, mail order stuff and put, put the stamp on myself. <laughs> that's what i would be willing to do to make that happen um so also shout out as well to salty ray hall because salty ray hall is always a thing like <laughs> like he's had a pretty good to- he started 10th he finished in fifth a good drive for ray hall by any measure and he couldn't help but start his interview by talking about how joseph was annoying him too much <laughs> like vintage graham ray hall ladies and gentlemen. Like I literally tweeted at the end of the race, Salty Ray Hall, thank you and good night.
0: <laughs> I mean, the one thing you do have to say about Ray Hall is he's always there waiting yes. and watching.
2: Yes. Like I, I was I was watching that thinking he's going to kill Man Gutierrez later. <laughs> <laughs> like I think I think Gutierrez chopped him off at one point and didn't get out of the way for him and he and Ray Hall was pissed. <laughs> um <laughs> So, you know, I look forward to an inevitable Ray bitch fest about Gutierrez in some Racer.com article, probably sometime later this week. Looking forward to that. Anyway, full rundown of the results at Iowa. Helio Spider-Man climbs the fence to win in Iowa. Uh, J.I. Hildebrand in second. Ryan hunter Ray in third. Will Power in 4th, Graham Rahal in 5th, Joseph Newgarden in 6th from 16th, good start from him, Simon Pagano in 7th place, Scott Dixon, who uh, really was struggling pretty much all race long, couldn't really get anything going, but uh, a late pass on Tony Kanaan got him an extra couple of points, I wonder if that was planned, um, and Scott Dixon getting there now, he's now retained his championship lead as a result of that 8th place finish, Tony Kanaan in 9th, who was in a blood feud pretty much all race long with James Hinchcliffe, which was great fun and very bowel-inducing. Um, yeah, I crapped myself on multiple occasions. when because like, I said a flashback to Texas King. Like, Kanaan <laughs> and Hinchcliffe running that close. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> that was very nervous, to say the least. Alex Rossi in 11th. Ed Carpenter started 4th but fell down the order to 12th in the end. Um, Esteban Gutierrez 13th in his first ever Oval race well done Esteban, good job Max Chilton in 14th um, slightly above average Kimball in 15th place he might be doing a nickname downgrade soon if he keeps that up um, I can't call him that nickname anymore for 16th god damn it um, Indy 500 winner Takuma Sato sadly in 16th place you know how much it pains me I can't call him that nickname anymore it's really annoying <laughs>
0: Slow down, Sato.
2: It's just not the same, Zoe. (sighs) It's just not the same. Um, (laughs) Marco Andretti in 17th place. Um, um, What's up with your man, Zoe?
0: Well, apparently something broke um, during qualifying. Apparently. Apparently. (laughs) Like, every piece <laughs> of brakes is on Marco's car.
2: Is, is Marco your, like your team's test dummy at this point? I think so. It's, it's like, like, Marco, we got these new brakes for you to try out. Oh, they broke. Sorry about that, man. Maybe next race we'll get them. Um, Ed Jones, who I think was driving hurt, finished in 18th place. He was the last of the finishers. Yeah, he broke his foot. What is it with IndyCar drivers and broken feet lately? Jeez. He
0: done it in basketball, was it?
1: Yeah, I think so. He broke it playing basketball. But he
2: probably dunked on Scott Dixon, because apparently Scott Dixon can't basketball. <laughs> <laughs> is he,
0: yeah, it's his it's one like, weakness.
2: It's his one weakness. Ed Jones beat him in a basketball game, and, and, he, and Scott Dixon was like, you know what, I'm going to get revenge on you, I'm going to do your footing just like I did, basically. Ed Jones in 18th, for guy. Um, Daly in 19th after hitting the wall. Carlos Munoz in 20th, C position 19. And Michaela Lotion who spun out again. Um, also, before we move on real quick, let's have a quick look at the in- fantasy IndyCar standings, given that we haven't looked at those in a couple of rounds. Ryan King is not as smug as he used to be, because he's been <laughs> dethroned as league leader. Um, uh. if- what happened to Indianapolis Dream King? Huh? 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 the 500
1: <laughs> happened and it hurt bad
2: yes uh it, it's it's um shout out to Indy camping who was our top scorer this weekend with a 158 point haul well done sir um evan manley in joint second of 146 and an almost perfect tiebreaker he was only 0.2 out the of the exact race result well done sir um excellent guesstimating um, the overall standings are in a quick top 10. The Piper Piper are currently on top with 1,845 points. Our man Connor, our video editor, Nor the Dragon is in second place. I still can't stand for this. Like, <laughs> like, if I'm not going to win a t-shirt, I have to be at least a top-ranking member of the podcast team. I have to beat Connor. Uh, I'm only and... 10 points back of him. Yes, King, you know you're <laughs> <the thing. laughs> Don't we all friggin' know it? Um, Ryan King, as mentioned, in third place. Indie Camping has shot up to fourth place um, there with 1768. We have Benjamin in in, in fifth with 1767. We have Matt from MSTF1 on 1756, and I have to give a plug, by the way. His Monaco review is tremendous. Go watch it. It's well worth the half an hour. Yeah,
1: I know it's half an hour long. You'll see why when it happens. You'll you'll see the dying moments of that famous catchphrase. (laughs)
2: Yes, even though he borrowed mine for the for the episode in question, <laughs> Matt, I'm suing you. See you in court. Um, yes, yeah, so Matt in sixth, uh, Andrew Kissinger in seventh, um, Liza of the Grid Girls in eighth. Good job for her. And Danny Brennan is in ninth, who is nine points ahead of me. <laughs> um, top ten. I'm I'm back in the top ten. That's the good news. I'm back in the top 10. The bad news is Brennan's ahead of me. I can't... Listen, I can be beaten by Connor. I can be beaten by you, King, because you're a smart ass. I cannot <laughs> allow myself to be beaten by Brennan. Captain Derp himself. <laughs> if, if Brennan beats me, I'm retiring. I swear
1: to God. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear.
2: Um, you, you heard it here first. I'm just, just going to find the other members of the team real quick. Friend of the show, Sarah Connors, in 25th. We have... a. Uh, Charlie Regimbald in 18th now. We have Cook Productions in 24th. That's Chris Cook in 24th. They're going down the list a little bit here. I see oh, our, 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 our wee Zoe is in 36th now. She's up five spots, up to, up to a sizzling 1550 in 36th, just behind our, our good friend Henry Chapman as well. Good to him. Uh, our old mate Mullins in 34th game. Yeah. Yes. Mullins, Mullins doing all right, mid-table, mid-table. With his team called
1: Ed Jones. <laughs> This team called Ed
2: Jones because he looks just like Ed Jones. It's actually uncanny. Um, uh, Our man, Rhino, GT4 in 39th place. Shout out to Rhino on YouTube, our man. RJ's down to 42nd. Poor guy. Um, Catherine from the Grid Girls in 43rd. We have Vic. Our man, Vic in 46th place and we have Lizzie in 49th who still somehow isn't last despite tr- actively trying to finish down there because yeah. Lizzie can't even finish at the bottom right
1: she's still had um, a Luke Smith
2: <laughs> i man, Luke's in there oh yes, nice I
0: think everyone that's behind her now pretty much have missed races I think it's yeah. that sort of thing
2: yeah, I think out of all those that have been around for every single race I think Lizzie's probably at the bottom I reckon so um, I, I guess he's spirit. Tr- I guess he's spiritually lost because everybody else I think has missed at least one race of picks or joined in late. Um, so yeah, like the most ball teams doing well, though, King, like we like we we, like, we can claim second, third, and tenth right now. I think I think we'll take it. Yeah, we're <laughs>
1: we're we're the truly the the Pensky of this of this fantasy league, and the Pied Piper is taking
2: it
0: overly seriously.
2: What do you mean overly seriously? I gain nothing but pride if I win this.
1: Yeah, there's no prize for me.
2: Yeah, like, remember, the the highest non-Motorsport 101 member of the team gets a free t-shirt. So, you know, join the league. Make some picks. You never know. You might climb up the board enough to actually win. You probably won't. Oh, my Um, God. (laughs) Nah. But uh, looking at the quick overall championship standings right now. Scott Dixon still leads the championship, but only by eight points now from Helio Castroneves. Only imagine if he wins the championship after all these years. Because he's right in there now. Only eight points off the top. Simon Pagano still has not had a pole position this season, but is still 31 points off the top in third on 372. We have Will Power in 4th on 350, ahead of Joseph Newgarden on 347. Graham Rahal is inching his way up the board. He's now up to 6th place on 337, because Rahal always finds a way to get up there now. Um, Sato, sadly. Actually, no, he's actually joint 6th with Rahal now. But, uh, yeah, Rahal has it on camp, because he has two wins to Sato's 1. Uh, Tony Kanaan in 8th. Alex Rossi in ninth on 290. And look at this, Max Chilton. In the top ten for Chip Ganassi Racing, well done, Maxi boy, a boy. Even though he's now actually more American than English, if you listen to the Mayor on Air podcast, if,
0: and he hates it, <laughs>
2: and he hates it, suck it, Draco. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's the top ten in IndyCar for you. Right, we've got the main events out of the way. We have a heaped new section for you, so. Stick around, it's going to be fun.
1: News on news on news. You've got a great car. Yeah, what's wrong with it today?
2: It's stacked. Or as they say on the internet these days, it's thick. <laughs> oh, my God. With two Cs at the end. It's, it's thick. We're thick with news. So, the big one that broke about, oh, I'd say about 1 o'clock this afternoon. The BRDC, the British Racing Drivers Club, announced that they are activating their brake clause. So, they'll, as of 2019, if they don't agree a new contract, there will be no British Grand Prix at Silverstone anymore shock, horror, everyone acts surprised what, what do you mean you're not all surprised? <laughs> so, yeah it's sad I it was surprising <laughs> it's, but it was, but it's certainly sad, I'll say that much but um, King, I think this was expected from a lot of people, um, it, it had been rumbled on for a couple of weeks now um, but it is now official um, it's certainly sad because we all know Silverstone is the home of, of, of the British Grand Prix, has been now for over 60 years and yeah, this is gonna get ugly, isn't it?
1: <sighs> yep and uh, pretty much boils down to one thing where uh, the chairman of the BDRC John Grant said that under the existing contract, Silverstone was losing uh, 2.8 million pounds in 2015 and then uh, 4.8 million last year. So in total, uh, actually, yeah, just a little over just a little over seven million pounds over the last two years. <laughs>
2: That's crazy. And I, I put a tweet out about this, which you very, very angrily responded to <laughs> later on. But I said, I just find it crazy that a Grand Prix that has 140,000 attendance every year, that is in Great Britain, the, like pretty much the most popular country for Formula One, with the face of the sport being British, <laughs> is losing 7 million a year when they're charging through the nose for ticket prices as well. But then you realize, King...
1: Yeah, it's the only race on the calendar that isn't government-funded. So, the only way they could make up for not having government funding is by charging even more for tickets. And we all know if they love to
2: charge through the nose for tickets. I mean, or like they, it's could, or they
1: could build, like... Or they could try to have more people, but that is not going to happen. Yeah.
2: Well, As if 140,000
1: uh, ain't enough.
0: <laughs> well, I think, like, honestly, like, probably the only difference between me doing Silverstone and me going to America to do an IndyCar race is literally the cost of a flight because I I think flights are getting cheaper now from Glasgow but um, it, for the cost of like trying to just do general emissions for Silverstone you could pretty much do an entire IndyCar weekend
1: yeah, yeah easy maybe, maybe even mentioned. two Maybe even two IndyCar weekends, depending on which two you want to do. Mm-hmm. A, g- a general weekend ticket for Silverstone this year is 200 quid. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure 50 quid could get you one weekend at Road America.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. two un- 200 pounds for a general admission weekend ticket, and general admission for Silverstone is shit. Um, because the track is t- covers such an enormous surface area... You're only going to see one corner with general admission. Like you're getting one corner, and that's it. Like pretty much. So you yeah, kind for of for the boat. cost of
0: general admission in Silverstone, you could probably get three people to an IndyCar weekend.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Bringing the family down, basically. Um Yeah. So that's. I mean, let's be real here. As much as we would love the British Grand Prix for what it is. I don't think it would go down well in this country right now if Theresa May came out and said, yeah, we're going to fund Silverstone. Um, there'd be a lot of angry doctors and nurses, and probably uh-huh. rightly so. Well, um,
0: they, they try, Didn't they Like try to get Cameron to fund it? Yeah. And, and he the, turned around yeah, and went, the camera, the government we're doing said, no. austerity here. <laughs> I can't fund your race cars if I'm doing austerity.
1: Yeah, it, it pretty much he'd be like, austerity. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Can't be this, folks. Can't be this. Yeah, it's,
1: um, it's like it's not the great state of Texas where they could just throw money at anything.
2: No, and there's a lot of like somehow the Tory magic money tree's kind of busy at the moment, so they won't, <laughs> won't be able to fund.
0: Yeah, it's it's the going quite well in Northern Ireland, I believe.
2: Yeah, yeah, I believe like, it's,
0: like, it's flowering and everything. If you go to Northern yeah, the, Ireland,
2: the, yeah, the crops are coming up quite nicely.
1: Um,
0: unfortunately, there are they're a rather strange shade of orange
1: though the formula one group has put out a statement about the the announcement of this break clause they the statement says the week leading up to the british grand prix should be a week of great celebration for f1 and silverstone we deeply regret that silverstone has chosen instead to use this week to posture and position themselves and invoke a break break clause that will take effect in three years time (laughs) We offer to extend the current deadlines in order to focus on everything that is great about Silverstone and F1. Regretfully, the Silverstone management has, has chosen to look for a short-term advantage to benefit their position.
2: I love the, how sassy that response is from the Formula One group. Like, like they straight up said they were posturing. I love it. <laughs> <And> <laughs> the
1: then, sass. Then they add... Our focus is to preserve the British Grand Prix. We will carry on negotiating with the promoter in good faith and in private to reach a fair and equitable solution.
2: The sass. They're going to the knock sass. hell. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Said, yes. They're off to Knockhill. <laughs> yeah, they say preserve the British Grand Prix, not preserve it in his current location. Just preserve it. <laughs>
2: We're going to tear down Brand's hat, Joe. <laughs>
1: oh, my God. Don't give Johnson a heart attack. Johnson's <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, already Johnson. there.
2: Like, you you, you wouldn't believe this right now, but Johnson's currently chained outside of the front gates in a dirty protest. Like, no, you have to go through me if you want to tear down this track, Uh, basically. Because at this point, Johnson pretty much lives there. Like, for those of us that don't know, our man, he lives like 10 minutes from the track. I'm not even joking. He does. I've been to his house. Um, I can confirm. Um... (laughs) But, uh, yeah, he lives literally 10 minutes away, and he would probably go fi- Like he'd go to his old house, poke his hole through the gate, and then probably, like, sit on the track or something as some sort of protest to save Grant's hatch, because that's what our man does. Johnson. Most of 101 foreign correspondent. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're going to Fruxton, everybody. Fruxin it is. Yeah. Fruxin for a
1: race. Just literally just, just, just you know, burn Thruxton to the ground and just build a Grand Prix circuit on its ashes
2: (laughs) lit um yeah it's one of those things where you just go sigh because we all know as well that there's not another track at I think in Britain that could feasibly host an F1 race unless there were significant changes paid for Yes. Like, Donington would probably be the number one solution, but that those facilities are bad. Yeah. Take it from all the bike fans that have to go to it every year for World Superbikes.
1: Silverstone um, is the only grade one circuit in Britain. Yeah.
0: And even if, like, other, some of the other tracks could get their stuff up to standard, like, Knock Hill's too small. It's yeah. way too small.
1: Only two yeah. circuits actually have any, like, that... Are safe to run F1 cars on in a demonstration right now, and those are Brands Hatch and Donington, and like those are the only two viable candidates for an upgrade. Yeah. Why, why
0: would we we appeal to Lord March?
1: <laughs> Lord March, bring
0: back Goodwood Track.
1: <laughs> so, so Lord March, we're we're gonna need you like buy all the land around your already huge estate so we can make a make a bigger better version of the goodwood circuit
2: but but imagine a king like 70 hill climbs in a race that would be so
1: sick the elevation change that everyone always clamors for lit like like but someone like, someone has different plans oh one team principal christian horner says uh-oh with with this London event happening tomorrow, we'll get to that later. If if that was a, if that was a success, which hopefully it should be, with recent legislation changes that are happening in the city of London, one can imagine a London Grand Prix being pretty attractive to the Liberty guys. Because yes, recent recent I've uh, recent changes, which like for the past uh, century, t- to be honest, it was actually illegal to host a street race in Britain.
2: Yeah, yep. um
0: that's why it's British Racing Green because we raced in Ireland instead, and to say thank we painted the car green.
1: Yes, <laughs> but still, we won't. Still, they won't apologize for the whole, you know, making the famine worse part. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this show got strangely political just there for a second. Very strange. <laughs> or, or the thing is, when Christian Horner said, "Oh, London Grand Prix," I just glared into my, my into my microphone and just like, "Oh, London Grand Prix." Yeah, we're the, doing this again.
1: The only <laughs> thing more improbable than a New York Grand Prix is a London Grand Prix. <laughs> oh no, our roads are dog shit. You do not want a Grand Prix in London.
2: Like, you, like I, Max Verstappen to break his own front wing against the ground on five occasions. I was
0: good to say... Like, haven't you just got like um, sleeping policemen everywhere?
1: Yes. Yeah, you'd have to we tear don't. up the road. I'm pretty sure the last time London hosted a Grand Prix was when Crystal Palace still had a circuit. Uh, it's
0: and good that you, was, be in, in Crystal Palace.
1: <laughs> Crystal Palace. Like, you know, all these homes there are in Crystal Palace that now, tear it all down. Tear it all down. <laughs> yeah
0: we go to oh i've forgotten the name of it and we'll take down all the the industrial estate and we'll bring back the revive the curve
1: we're going to battersea (laughs) Battersea.
0: no don't do battersea
1: we're going we're going to battersea power station not the park power station yeah because the park's (laughs) dog shit
2: but (laughs) but
0: we're going to create a mario kart race around power station
2: (laughs) we'll paint all the we'll paint the road trips a different color for every half a mile it's Rainbow Road, bitches. <laughs> Rainbow Road. <laughs> yeah, I'm not here for a London rompery. Um, let's. I'm not even going to discuss that stupidity. But uh, King, uh, again, it, the whole thing just kind of seemed inevitable, really, um, given the, the the loss of money and that the BRDC was only going to take losing money for so long. And again, the lack of government funding is always going to hurt us. But I mean, King, where do you see this going, really? I mean. Liberty's gonna have, to t- they're gonna have to bite the bullet on this one, aren't
1: they? It, like they, they honestly, they can't, they can't set this president that oh you're unhappy about paying too much on your contract oh you're just gonna use the break clause and then you know sick the F1 fan base on us.
2: But that that's the problem is like King, we can't have F1 about a British Grand Prix, surely. Um
0: yeah we could we could like yeah. <laughs> even as a british person
1: it's like oh no, we can't no. have f1 without a french grand prix well we kind of had yeah. that we can't have and f1 can- without a german grand prix we kind of had that
2: well to be fair the, the way i'm sitting down right now i don't give a shit about silverstone it's expensive and it's a terrible facility so fuck it i don't care if it's not a british grand prix People, people that know me know that I am not the patriotic one on this show. Not even close. I'm actually probably like Max Chilton, more American than English at this point. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's part of the inevitability of F1. Like, Liberty, they're going to have to choose between the rock and the hard places. It's either set a precedent of break clauses or have no British Grand Prix. And of the of the two evils, that's probably the lesser one. So I'll
0: have to see how that one rolls out in the future. I mean, okay, come, um, go, 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 Like they sort of going on about how there's always been like a British Grand Prix. It's like, yeah, but I mean, I'm a third generation race fan, and like my granddad never's been to the British Grand Prix. My mum and my dad never went to the British Grand Prix. Like we're big race fans, but it's like it just wasn't logistically or like financially feasible. Like I'm talking like back in, like, the, the 60s and all that. Like, even back right. then, to try and do it wasn't feasible.
1: Like, I think the demand for Formula 1 in in the UK is just way too high for honestly, just one race at a place that can barely hold over, you know, 150,000 people. And that's, like, already the most attended race on the calendar. And that's like, if you compare that to the Indianapolis 500, that's nothing. That is about half their attendance.
2: Yeah. Apparently, Indy, because the, the, if I remember correctly, the Indy 500 was about 290,000 or something like that this year.
0: Uh, they, I think was something... they, had, they had 10 times the population of Monaco
1: yeah. at so, Indy. Like, at Indianapolis, they have 250,000 seats. There's still standing room in the infield on viewing mounds that at the the concert that they have there, like they can they pass like three hundred thousand easily, but they don't actually release their official attendance numbers, so we don't know how we, much over three hundred thousand that is.
0: And we also have the the concert that kind of goes on at the same time because they got really annoyed of people going there and ha- trying to do makeshift sure concerts that they just decide to do it themselves. Yes, <laughs> mosh
1: pit.
2: Rick Flair!
1: Woo! <laughs> the problem is uh, that, like, Silverstone would automatically be financially viable if they could double the amount of tickets that they could sell. Issue is, there's only one way in or out of that circuit. Mm-hmm. Oh.
2: Good luck getting the best part of 300,000 people out
1: of a circuit via one exit. Yes.
2: Mm. And,
1: and the issue is that they don't have the capital. ...or the power to, like, say, yeah, we want, like, another, you know, you know, way in or out of the circuit. We need, like, you know, a way to get to the motorway. Like, a a second way to the motorway would make, like, Silverstone, like, immediately viable as a Grand Prix venue. Uh,
0: Yeah. It really is, if you're not going either by a coach that is doing the race... Or you're carpooling or whatever you really can't get there by yourself it's not like possible it's like or it is possible but it's even more awkward yeah like i know megabus um does do a bus to silverson for the british grand prix weekend but you imagine getting on that bus at that time to go down to silverson like
1: yeah like like, to, like, other circuits plan way better for this. Like, the New York City e is it's their first race, and their circuit just happens to be in a location where there's no subway service at all. So, for the race, they're having a free shuttle from uh, the Barclays Center, where, you know, the Brooklyn Nets play, to the circuit. Oof. <laughs> so, so So, it's pretty accessible for anyone to get to the circuit, despite there being no subway service there. And
0: hmm. The same for, like, Goodwood Vessels speed um they do a shuttle bus from the train station in cheshire to goodwood like there is yeah
2: i'm telling i'm totally amazed because me and zoe are actually planning to go to goodwood next year like together it's gonna be pretty sick i can't lie i'm actually really excited for that but so yeah easy accessible train service but some I know, bus.
0: you you get you'd get the train to cheshire you would go there And there is a bus that's, I think it's like one every half hour or so, that goes from there to Goodwood. Like, they they have it organised. And like, this is like, you think most people going to Goodwood generally have like cars. (laughs) Because we're all going to show off our classic cars. Yet they've still got a shuttle bus for everyone else.
2: Let's um, yeah, sounds good to me. But uh, if only we had that for Silverstone. Sigh.
1: They just spent too much money bloody changing the
2: track around only five years
1: ago. Yeah, uh. well, I mean, it, the problem is that even if they did have the money for it, they would need the government to authorize it, and the government would have to, you know, do the work themselves to build all these new, you know, you know, roads. Like, like, yeah, a new a new motorway would be really great for Silverstone, but, like, the British government, again, they're not going to pay for it. King, magic money tree.
2: <sighs> I told you. Speaking of it's which...
0: Northern Ireland and it's orange.
1: <laughs> it's orange.
2: Politics, stick to sports. Um, <laughs> right, <laughs> moving on, let's talk about Formula One Live. Because, ladies and gentlemen, we found out literally some hours ago... That Formula One will be holding a live all-day expo at Trafalgar Square in London tomorrow. Well, by the time you listen to this, it's already happened. Um, basically,
0: it's, excuse me while I spend about two hundred pounds on tickets, flight tickets to try and get down for it. Of course, which you I do. totally
2: have. Yep. Money and plans and timing and conveniences. Now don't get me wrong, it sounds great. There's going to be an F1 in schools event. And there's going to be live demonstrations. The drivers, like most of the grid's going to be down there. It sounds Actually, fantastic. Actually,
1: all the grid's going to be down there, except for one person. Lewis Hamilton, because of
2: course. <laughs> if, like, honestly, if you had to guess which one, of tw- which one of the 20 drivers in F1 were not going to be there for the expo, could you have guessed it was going
1: to be Lewis Hamilton? Probably. Like, like uh, GP two and GP three. I mean, Formula two and GP three drivers are going to be there, but Lewis is
0: probably amazing. In right? Lewis's defence, there is probably some sort of um, sponsorship thing that had already been organised.
1: No, no, he's on vacation.
0: Oh, he's actually on. The he's on vacation.
2: He, he, he put it on Twitter. He's having a two day break before oh. going to Silverstone on the Thursday.
0: I, right. I was trying to be. Nice. <laughs>
1: no, you don't have to. You don't have to. No, like we, we don't have to guess that he was doing something else or anything. He posted like a video of him partying on Instagram. Okay. Right. That'll go down well.
2: Yeah, see, that's just Lewis Alton there for you But less said about that the better. Yeah. You know,
1: but man, okay. I, I'm just saying the optics of Sebastian Vettel being on that live stage and then Lewis not being there.
2: Sebastian will be stoned
1: you <laughs> will, will be stoned to
2: oblivion by angry booing British fans we, well
0: I was going to say actually we're probably after avoiding the booing at Austria because Hamilton wasn't on the podium if Vettel's on the podium this weekend are we going to get the booing?
1: yes yes, yes.
2: <laughs>
0: and yes then that, definitely and then in Germany we're going to, if Hamilton's on the podium we're going to get the booing because that was what happened last year
1: yeah, I don't think the, had... the German fans don't care that much
0: well last year we did manage to they managed to boo Lewis last year but I think they booed Lewis because the Brits booed yeah.
1: booed
0: Nico so retaliation like, anyway anyone who says that those who boo aren't real fans it's like they've just paid 200 odd pounds to go to freaking Silverstone they are
2: real fans they're just douchebags
1: Yeah, people are like they're not real fans oh so it's like oh so you know like real fans have to be nice people
2: (laughs) Uh yeah so like i said f1 live london a spectacular show in the british capital on july 12th featuring formula one teams drivers and cars stars headline music acts all that good stuff There'll be a car parade at Whitehall. It's the first time in F1 history that all 10 teams have come together outside of a race weekend to put on a show for the public. There'll be two parts, an F1 Schools and Innovation Showcase from 12 to 4, and the F1 Live London Show and Parade from 5.30 till 9. The whole thing will be streamed at 6 o'clock on Formula1.com um youtube's official youtube account youtube.com forward slash formula Oh, it's and... being streamed
1: on youtube oh this is the future the future is here <laughs> yep so yeah f1's
2: website youtube the f1's official youtube channel youtube.com forward slash formula one and the sky sports f1 channel so hey I, I sky you I get your money as well
0: IndyCar going, oh you're using youtube that's adorable, <laughs> that's, you figured adorable. It out.
2: <laughs> that, that's adorable <laughs> right there so, yeah, it's going to be a live show. Uh, Managing Director of, of Coral Social Operations, Sean, um, Sean Bratches, says, F1 Live London is the most striking example yet of Formula 1's evolution this year. We feel there is no better way to celebrate the exciting season we have had so far than to have this landmark event in London on the eve of the British Grand Prix. This is all about giving our fans the opportunity to get closer to the teams, cars and drivers they love. And our man, the Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, said F one Live London is a brilliant opportunity to show young people in our city that learning about science and engineering can provide them with fantastic careers and can be great fun. It would also bring fans of all ages and backgrounds together to celebrate a sport they are passionate about and in which Britain is a world leader. On paper, this sounds great.
0: Only if you were then like three hours of Yeah. Obviously, with them announcing it so, like, sharp, like, you can't go because, like, you're working.
2: I'm working till 5.15 tomorrow, so by the time I got back to my house, got changed, and got on public transport to go over there, it'd probably be about half past seven, so, like, what's the point? I'd be there for, like, an hour and a half, and I'd be going back home again. So, like, I can't even go to this, so, like, like, because of the short notice, like, you're gone, Zoe.
0: If I wanted to go, if I had the money, which I don't, um, I'd either have to be getting... I wouldn't be doing this because I'd be currently on a, an overnight bus to London, so I would be there for first thing. Um, be getting the first train in the morning. I did mention this event to my mum and she went, would we be able to go for free by first class like we did for Battersea? And I went, no, she went, I don't care. <laughs> so... You get the first train in the morning. That would maybe get you there for twelve or whatever, about halfway, or right. a flight down, and then you still got to get to Trafalgar. Train,
2: which which is, which is going to be a nightmare in uh-huh. in London because that, that that's peak rush hour. About five half five is peak rush hour, pretty much. So,
0: mm. you know, it's like the amount it would cost for me to try and get there and yeah i'm kind of not half the dry or it's or... still by the time i get there i'm gonna be knackered just to try to get there and then i'm gonna be sitting there going right um because i'd have to either book somewhere to spend the night or i'm having to make sure i get the last possible transport back up north and it's like
1: yeah i mean you really
0: have to be within three hours
1: yeah, like based on the comments of everyone involved from either Christian Horner and I think some uh, a member of Westminster City Council, like yeah, it was this, Robert Davis. Yeah, this this event seemed to be targeted at people who lived nearby. Like they didn't expect people to actually travel for this.
2: This is Formula One in the United Kingdom. What would what did you expect with the British Grand Prix coming around oh, this week? I mean,
0: there's I've seen a few people on Twitter who were like, oh, I was supposed to, like, who are annoyed because they were heading to Silverstone tomorrow. Yeah. Like, they're now sitting there going, right, do I go to this and then try and get the last, like, trip, um, bus, train, whatever, to get to Silverstone. Like, they're now trying to see if they logistically can do this as well because they're already coming down for that, for Silverstone, so... Is Silverstone's an hour and a half car
2: journey, probably. Pretty much, it's, 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 it's just past Milton Keynes is about an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say this much: this sounds like a brilliant event, and I'm very glad that Formula One is doing this. Like more live demos, more fan interaction is great. No one is arguing this isn't a great thing. It is. Unfortunately, it's the nature of these sort of events that are the problem because you have to leave it till the last minute to announce it because you want to try and reduce traffic congestion as much as possible. You want it to be as safe as possible. So you don't want to give people um time to target the event if there is any sort of planned attack because let's be honest London's had a lot of terrorist attacks lately that's the reality of it so for security reasons and for logistics and then for you know re- redirecting traffic and all that stuff you have to leave these sort of things to the last minute unfortunately and, and um, it usually
1: you... takes to the last minute to plan for the to, to you know Get the police involved to, you know, definitely we can have this amount of officers there to close everything down. Because, like, for all we know, like, they could have arranged everything, like, have everything confirmed just today. Like, maybe, like, you know, like, the the police service couldn't help. So maybe they would have had to cancel the event. And you don't want to, you know, say that we're going to have this event, like, you know, two weeks ago and then have to cancel it today because the police can't devote the forces to it.
2: Exactly. So the nature of these sort of events, like like any open top bus parade or any sort of like event like that, where you have to shut down effectively part of a city to make it happen. They always logistically are a nightmare and often only confirm the 11th hour. I mean, King can relate to this when when the American national women's soccer team, Won the World Cup a couple of years ago. They only had two days' notice on that yeah. when it actually happened. And uh, shout out to King because he had hope sort of winking winking him that day. <laughs> <Yes>. Happy <laughs> day of his life. <laughs> <laughs> but um, these things logistically could often be a nightmare, and it sucks for some people because I would, I absolutely would have gone to this. No question. I uh, would have got, would have got over for it and done it and done the thing. No problem, especially given I know. Three or four good friends are going to be down there as well. But, again, we had 24 hours' notice, but that's the nature of these sort of exposition events that, you know, have, it's not like the XL where there's one great big open field where you can you don't, you don't have to require all that much security and you can plan it in advance. And this is different. This is going to be basically a street show. So, it is what it is, I suppose, which is a shame. But, like I said, great great for F1 that having this sort of event. It's just a shame that logistically... It kind of screws over a bunch of folks, but um, you know, it is what it is. Everybody that goes down there has had a really good time because obviously, by the time this goes out, it's already have happened. So hope you had a good one <laughs> if, if, if you enjoyed it. Um, I
0: mean, the only other that, way um, they could have done this, like if they we were to try and make like everyone happy, is like the like do it in a couple of different like pretty cities, like.
2: Like the F1 teams. Live Tour comes to Birmingham on July 13th. Oh my Ooh. god! Like,
1: uh, I can see them doing like, it, but you would—it would be like mainly like get all the demo teams together because I know Red Bull has a demo team and like Ferrari has a demo team. Like the only uh, downside is the Red Bull's
0: demo team does um, Glasgow's full throttle event.
1: Yeah, like. Like, the only downside is you probably won't get the race drivers, but, like, to see an F1 car in person, and you probably get to see, you know, a driver, like, if it's Ferrari, you probably get to see, you know, Gianni Verne or, you know, uh, Antonio Giovinazzi, and that's, like, for race fans, that's still, you know, a big deal.
2: Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, logistics of, logistics of fun, I mean, you know? like,
0: uh, Uh-huh. I was just mean, like, you'd have, like, a couple of, te- like, all tomorrow and have a couple teams in London, a couple teams in Glasgow, but even then you'd have people going, Oh, why have this city got this lot and this that got yeah. that lot? So it would still, but that'd be the only sort of other way they could have played this and still you wouldn't have people happy. So it's kind of a, this is probably the closest there I got. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly.
2: Yeah. Gotta make do. Gotta make do. Next on the order list, Uh, and I'm only going to touch on this one briefly because it's still sort of a rumoured story. It's coming out of the the build in Germany. Um, They're reporting that Honda might be backing out of the Sauber deal that was anticipated for 2018. Um, Nothing official on that just yet, King, but this is interesting, to say the least.
1: Yeah, like... uh, Like... There's no information on why it's happening, or, like, nothing significant. Like, the only significant thing that's changed about the team is that Manisha um, Manisha Board is no longer Team Principal. That's the only thing that has changed about the team recently. Right.
2: Uh, but would that be enough reason for, S- for Honda to suddenly change tack? I don't think so, so... Maybe I'm missing something here, but this seems a bit... Mmm... I, I, like, I, I don't know. The
1: the only like, the only explanation... They don't even give any explanation in the story either. Like, uh, it's that the only thing that they mention is that the the contract, the three-year contract for... It, it was not only an engine deal, but it was going to be, like, a te- technical cooperation, a whole bunch of other stuff, that it was negotiated by Manisha Keltenborn. Right.
2: That'd be interesting, though. I mean, if Honda weren't going to buddy up with Sauber all of a sudden, like, is that... Would that be the beginning of the end for Honda in F1? Because, it, it like, McLaren's made no secret they want out, basically, from this. Yeah, pretty much. Like, it's it's all bar the shouting, obviously, that they want to change teams, so... Or yeah. change, change suppliers, but oof.
1: Like, oh, boy. Yeah, on the McLaren front, I really see them finding a way out of their Honda deal, maybe by saying, hey, we won't work with you in in formula one but we will work with you in indycar yeah because they always
2: left the door open for a for a mclaren works team in in indycar which fernando maybe yes i don't i don't need i don't need to give zoe reason more reasons to be happy um (laughs) but um that is an interesting case we'll keep an eye on that one speaking of honda Penske, uh, um, again, another one of those, we all kind of knew this was coming, but this is now official. They've announced their Daytona prototype team partnership with Honda, and it's it's interesting because it, it ties in directly to their current IndyCar plans. And, well, when I say rumors, I mean Robin Miller basically shoving a, a, a microphone in Helio and, and, and Roger Penske's face 14 times over the course of Iowa's weekend. Oh. Trying to
1: bleed information out of the team at every given opportunity. It was basically him putting together all the puzzle pieces and then yelling at everyone, Did I get the puzzle right, guys? Did I uh-huh. get the puzzle right?
0: Uh, I mean, it's like. He, he, he released the story on the Saturday. Then, before the race on the Sunday, he went up to Hellu and asked him about it, and it's like he's trying to prepare for a race why are you asking him about his future then after yeah. the race he goes up to roger and say hey you're about to send him to explore his car and roger's like
2: we and, haven't confirmed anything yet uh, <laughs> like... have,
0: and then uh, both of them was with nbc and then for back with racer for their youtube channel um like af- after the podium robin's interviewing helio again and they and keep, and keeps implying it and it's like no wonder pesky turned around to indycar and said listen we don't want any talks about helio's future or sports cars in this press conference
2: it takes a lot when pesky has to straight up say shut the fuck up robin we've had enough of your shit basically um, but yeah, I mean, the, the talks that, again, that Miller put out there beforehand was that the talk that Penske might downsize their full-time IndyCar team to three, as opposed to four, which would mean that Helio kind of is the odd one out. Yeah. That's not a reference to the fact that that was the name of the article on <laughs> Racer.com. <laughs> and Very that, well
1: uh, uh, Will Power, Simon pagno and Joseph Newgarden already have contracts for Penske next year.
2: Oh, that I didn't know Yeah. So, um, uh-huh. so yeah three of the four already confirmed for next year so that leaves Helio and which is funny because Helio is currently Penske's number one driver on championship standing and is only eight points off the top of the IndyCar championship and just won his first race in three years great timing Helio um, wait, wait for you to suddenly become a, like the lead title contender um, which is funny but it's looking I think,
0: like can I, can I just say I think the last time there was rumours about Helio's future at Penske came up he turned around and like led the championship or like fought for the championship right up until the last minute I think he lost it was Dario th- it, I, was it Dario or Dixie he lost to he lost to one of them
1: I still remember last year when it was rumoured that Simon Pagino would lose his Penske seat and he went on to win the championship. Yeah.
2: Clearly when Roger Penske wants you to succeed, he fires a rocket up your ass and it's actually it actually really is effective. Um, so yeah. Also Heligo
0: is currently leading the Penske games, which we should hopefully be doing a new <laughs> episode of soon.
2: Yes, very very important. He is the leader of the Penske Games, he's very good at drawing race cars. Not so great at hula hooping, but um, more on that as we get it. Um, but the, the plans are... That, better than it looks Simon
0: like, in regards.
2: <laughs> better at Simon at everything. Simon's I bottom of, of the leaderboard right now.
0: i thought for hula-hooping. He discovered he could hula-hoop.
2: He <laughs> <laughs> just discovered this.
0: <laughs> yeah. He'd never hula-hooped before that challenge.
2: Amazing. That's our Helio. But uh, again, the talk is that Penske might drop to three and they would have... Juan Pablo Montoya and Helio Castro Castroneves come together to run their prototype program and then In our have, other news story. <laughs> yeah, and then basically have that happen and then still have Penske run five cars for the for the 500 yes. by having Helio and Montoya run two cars part time. So, yeah, that's is the tentative rumored plan that Penske might be thinking about doing. Only having three full-time cars, but having two part-timers, and then having Helio and Montoya run the sports car team. Who knows?
0: I, I must say the idea of Helio and Montoya as teammates in a car, in the one car, is kind of entertaining to imagine. Yeah,
1: but it, like, most likely when they won. <laughs> like most likely, the reason why they wanted both of them because they want a lead driver in both of their cars. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, Helio, Helio and Brisco done really well. Mm. I'm pretty sure they won Sebring a few, at least once.
1: Yeah, I think... Uh, mm, I'm trying Cause to remember. I remember
0: the picture of Helio climbing the Michelin mascot guy. <laughs> oh my the God. guy dressed as the Michelin guy. Helio's like done, must have done like a running leap and has managed to get a high up hug of
2: him. Lit. But um, yeah, that sounds like the Penske plan going in. King, wouldn't it be funny if Hedier got dropped off the win in the championship? That would just be oh the most God. hilarious pickle for Roger Penske to be. And it's like, can you really drop your reigning champion? Yeah, you can't really, can you? And but
1: I remember what race Zoe was talking about. It was the 2008 Petit Le Mans when they won in the the Penske Porsche LMP2 car. <laughs> oh, what a beautiful car that is! Oh. Yes. Yeah, the, in the DHL colours, which we now kind of, you know, associate with Ryan Hunter Ray. Close enough. Um, and when we're not thinking the, of balls. Oh my god.
2: Uh, <laughs> don't forget the hot sauce. Uh, Michael, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Um, so have to wait and see how that goes, but um, again, Penske are probably not going to announce anything driver wise until the end of the season. So
1: yeah, well, actually, well, they're they you know today they confirmed their partnership with Acura in this Honda program. So the the car leg. no I'm joking. Yeah, <laughs> the, the car is going to be the the Acura uh, ARX five, which is yeah, it's the fifth. HPD Prototype. Lit. And they're going to officially unveil the car uh, during Monterey Car Week, which is August 11th through the 20th. They're not sure if they're going to announce their drivers then, but most likely some of their drivers are going to be announced during that week.
2: It, it would, you would think they would get at least some sort of driver announcement out there, given like, if you're going to unveil the new race car, you want the drivers with it, surely. So Yeah. I think I think they'll announce something during that weekend. We'll have to wait and see. That's literally a month today, as as, as we record the show. We we've um, kidnapped
0: Briscoe. We're bringing him back to <laughs> right. Penske after his year, his time with Ganassi.
1: But it's it's yeah. most likely either going to be uh, new recruits mixed with current Penske drivers, also mixed with maybe uh, promote a couple guys from the Acura GT program. Hmm. Okay. As one of them drives past
2: King's house. Yes, yes.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but who do you reckon it would be out of that program then, King?
1: Ooh, if I had to promote one of the one of the people running the the NSX, like mm, that is, <laughs> they have a great line of of, of drivers in that Acura. And- Catherine Leg, Catherine Leg, yeah. <laughs> Here for it. That
2: would be so gangster. (sighs) Yes, yes it would. We'll have to wait and see. Right, let's move on a little bit quick because we're running out of time on here. We've just crossed the two-hour mark and we're already like way over what I was planning to do. Anyway, (laughs) yeah, like like, like we don't ever go two hours on this show. Never. Um, Mark Webber uh, came out during the race weekend in Austria and said... He would like to see grid penalties dropped for teams that use more than their season allocated rule of parts. <sighs> Zoe, what do you make of this one, then? Because, like, we, we've we seen a lot of teams... <coughs> McLaren <coughs> have to suffer through the nature of rather embarrassing levels of grid-drop penalties, so...
0: Well, I like... mean, it does get kind of into what you're saying about, right?
1: Hmm.
0: Like... Alonso isn't actually starting this Grand Prix. He's actually starting the Australian Grand Prix because that's how many places back he's actually gone. Yep. But like, the thing is, it's like is you have to punish them somehow, because you don't, if you don't punish anyone, then that means well. The rules don't matter. Yeah, you can spend however much you want because well it does like, oh dear, this part fell apart, like, we're not getting penalised for it, so we'll just stick a new one in, which kind of defeats the whole we're saving money thing. But Doesn't help. Uh-huh. But it's like, you need to punish your team somehow, and it's kind of, if you're not giving them, the drivers, a good penalty at the start of the race, which we've seen quite, like, drivers who get these penalties shoot right back up to the fire. I mean, the number of times you sit there is like, Alonso starting at the back and then end the first lap and it's like he's eighth. He somehow managed to get the Honda to eighth. Not like like it's not impossible, but it's like the only other way to deal with it is you de- you de- you deduct um, constructor points based on the part that's getting replaced.
1: Yeah, and the right. teams won't like that because if you deduct like the manufacturers' points, de- determine how much of the prize money they get. So, the teams automatically don't like that. Like, if you give them a grid drop, they can make that back up.
0: Because the other thing is, if you're going to talk do- constructor points instead, then you're going to sit there and go, right, if it's a dry shaft, it's a point. If it's an engine, it's, like, gonna be so many more points.
1: Like, Well, I mean, they could, you know, come to an agreement on what that should be, like IndyCar does. Like, IndyCar, they, they issue... Uh, for wh- any time they you know, break the rules in terms of parts, the manufacturer gets docked points in the manufacturer's championship. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like, the IndyCar's manufacturers championship isn't that important to most fans because there are only two manufacturers.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, and in the manufacturers championship, it's based off the it's the top two or top four drivers for each manufacturer.
1: I believe it's three, it, it, but I have to check three. If it's green indie color, it's, it's, not, it's, 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 it's one in
2: MotoGP.
0: It's like, they only take the point into consideration of so many of the drivers, because obviously, otherwise, it's a bit unfair for Chevrolet, who's kind of sitting there with like, three or four cars less than Honda. Okay, not that yes. all the Hondas are doing well.
1: Yeah, top two finishers, plus a bonus five points if your manufacturer wins the race. Oh. Fair enough. But yeah, it includes, yeah, finishing points. And yeah, just like, yeah, top two I cars think, plus five if you win.
0: And I think you get bonus. It might just be for Indy, the Indy 500, but there's bonuses if you replace, like, for replacing your engine when it hits a certain mileage.
1: Oh. As well. Yeah, you get a penalty if you replace it before a certain amount of miles done. Uh, but. Like for every, uh, for every Full season team So for every full season car you can get Over 2,000 miles you get, uh, you, get a, you get bonus points Equal to That you know Based on where that engine finished so if Like over the month of May Honda gets Takuma Sato's engine above 2,000 miles Plus he wins you get The amount you get uh, Sato's You know Sato's You know points for the race Plus, you double that because he got over two thousand miles. Damn, it's a lot of points. Yeah. So my my
2: take on this is, you got like you can't like. It, it, I know it seems unfair to punish a driver for something that's out of their hands, but it should also encourage your teams to have more reliable parts. One of the biggest annoyances, I think, for me growing up as an F1 fan in the early 2000s was seeing engines blow up every two seconds. And basically, it gifted teams championships because reliability was such an important part of the game. It's different now because cars, for the most part, are pretty reliable now. They're certainly a lot better than they were 15 years ago, I'll say that much. Yeah. Apart from McLaren, obviously. So you (laughs) have to hear them harder where that's concerned. So yeah, I have no problem with the grid penalty system at all. Um, maybe the excessive ones like getting 50 or 60 places just sounds silly um, and I liked the idea of converting them into drive-through penalties or you know stop and go penalties basically on on, on, on the race itself that like we had in Austria last year but for me you can't complain about costs in F1 if you're advocating to get rid of punishments from broken engine parts because yeah. You have have to find a way to encourage manufacturers to make the best possible parts they can so they don't fail. Because if they fail, they punish them on the track. And that's, like, it's not a big enough penalty to have a car fail in a race these days. It's not a big enough punishment. So,
1: for me, I'm okay with it. Yeah, sorry, Mark. Like, because, like, if you let the teams spend as much as you want, you just end up with a worse version of the situation we're in, where the teams need so much money to succeed. I mean, so much money to just operate that we have to, you know, ramp the sanctioning fees up and Silverstone can't host the Grand Prix anymore.
2: Yeah. It doesn't really work on that one already, so you have to do something about it. Anyway, I call this a bit the Formula E section now to close up the show for this week. And uh, the big one that came out today... BMW officially announcing that they will be uh, taking part in Season 5 of Formula E with Andretti to basically be the factory team for them going forward. Yay! Zoe, how excited are you on a scale of 1 to Marco? <laughs> 1 to Marco.
1: <laughs> is Marco good or bad than this? <laughs> now, what is the lowest? Marco's the highest.
2: <laughs> well, that's contextual. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let Zoe decide on that one.
0: Well, I mean, hopefully, like the team. I mean, this season hasn't gone well for them at all. No. They've only scored in a handful of races, so I would like no to think either. that. Yeah, I, let me ignore that. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm so happy that I managed to at least see a car win, win points. <laughs>
2: Still, like, it's it's not the same because there's no Simona. Sad no. face. No, <laughs> much
0: sadness.
2: <laughs> much sadness. But um, exciting. No, okay, it's it's of course it's great to have more manufacturer back in Formula E. That's hardly a bad thing. For the love of God, please have somebody get Renault already. This is starting to get a bit annoying now. Oh,
0: well, um, I mean. Every- Hopefully, it does basically translate as BMW is pumping more money into it.
1: Yeah, because yes. they've had a partnership since the second season. Indeed, and big, there's, there's and BMW be. will actually have a powertrain next year instead of having it was like this weird. Andretti made their own powertrain, but they had like some technical support from BMW. Right. <laughs>
2: Exactly, so that, that's exciting times. Hope they have BMW involved there. I mean, it was a, a minor story that Audi confirmed that they will be running the app team from season four onwards to next season. Well, they, kind
1: of, they kind of confirmed that, yes, they are the factory team as of the end of the season. The moment the season ends, yep. they are the Audi factory teams.
0: Yeah. Bye, so Daniel! We're going from uh, no, app Audi sport, we're going Audi app sport.
2: Yeah, Audi app that sport.
0: That is like <laughs> <so> what <happening. laughs>
2: Uh, apparently first word terms are very important. Um, <laughs> so we'll go with that as well. So BMW and Audi will officially be in 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 Formula E full time as of season So four
1: they'll and five, be respectively. So now the series has uh I think 7 manufacturers I believe. The only uh the only non manufactured team in the series is uh, uh
2: But they have Verne. <laughs> they have
1: Verne. <laughs> Yeah, they're the only, they're the only customer team in the series,
2: but they have the handsome, strapping Vern, who is a great driver. That should be awesome. Um, yeah, very, very true. And um, yeah, you probably have heard the news by now. And if you follow him on Twitter, you'll know for sure. Sebastian Boemi has been blocked from taking part at this New York weekend. He tried, bless him, he really tried to try and find at least a compromise. To maybe run race one on the Saturday and then fly over to Germany for the six hours of Nürburgring on the Sunday to try and take part for Toyota in the race itself but Toyota were like nope, nope. Um, so Buemi it will not take part, Lucas Degrassi is licking his lips as we speak because um, he's now right back in the title hunt again um, but fill it in if he doesn't choke because that's what Lucas does at least once a season um but filling in, in the damn seat for the weekend, will be Pierre Gasly. Rebel Academy driver and generally nice Frenchman. Um, Pierre Gasly we be filling in this weekend. King, is he going to win? Is he going to dominate? Win by like five seconds now? Because it's Pierre Gasly. Like, uh, I don't know. Good, because good
1: like his first day in the car will be Saturday. Like, <laughs> he won't have yeah, any no pressure. <laughs>
2: now, in, other words, it's, in other words, what EDAM is saying right now is, Nicholas, this is all on you. <laughs> You have to do this for Sebastian, Nico. You have to. <laughs> well, that sounds weird for you to say, like it's an F one reference. <laughs> but uh, like, like but Nico, like just do it in London. To
0: the the, the band boost right now, Gasly.
2: Oh, really? Yes. Uh, like, but, but why would that be, Zoe? Insert Zoe's keeping it one o one here instead of at the top of the show.
0: Well, we don't know for sure yet because obviously we're only like two days in. We'll find out for sure by the end of the week. But if you have been following Formula E, you'll be noticing that there's only been. There's, there's generally three names that pop up when it comes to the winner of the fan boost and Mr. Sebastian Yoemi, Lucas Degrassi, and Daniel Apps, except on the two occasions when it wasn't him. <laughs> Which is like it got to the point like right now I'm I'm on the fan boost page right now and you've got um Pierce is currently leading with seventeen per cent and then uh, you've got Apt with twelve Felix Rosenquist has got eleven. Hey Felix and, Along with Lucas Degrassi and Maro Marco Engel. You've then got Mitch Evans on eight per cent, Sam Bird on seven John Eric on 6 and then on 2%, you have Adam Carroll, Alex Lynn, who's also racing this weekend. Yep. Jerome D'Ambrosio, Nick Heidfeld, Nico Pross, and Tom Dillman are all on 2%. You've then got Antonio Felix da Costa, Loic Duvall, Nelson Piquet Jr., Oliver Turvey, and Robin Fringe on 1%, and Stefan Sarazan has 0
1: Oh, dear God. <laughs> what, what, do you,
2: what do you mean no one fanboos for Stefan Zarazan. That's just mean. Whoa,
1: whoa, whoa. We're not saying that no one fanboos at him. It's just that not enough people fanboos at him for him to go above 1%. <laughs> That's just sad.
2: I
0: mean, uh, I did look at it. I think it must have been the, the German, the first of the Berlin e yes. I Yes. Th- over half of them. Half the drivers were on 0%. Like, the day before the race.
1: Yeah, because there was such a flood of votes that came in that pretty much, if you weren't a part of that, you know, flood of incoming votes, the amount of votes you had weren't going to be good enough to put you above the 1% threshold.
2: Ooh. Well, yeah, that's kind of
1: just the, uh... That's
2: how maths work. That's how maths works, and sadly, we all know it. E. Dams and Audi are the ones that are p- pushing these botted accounts very hard on social media, like Instagram, for example. Um, where, yeah, they're they're paying for bots to tweet you know, the hashtag of the drivers' no, names in it.
1: I heard a crazy bot story over the weekend. Like, uh, um, from if you've like even been on YouTube, you probably heard about who Casey Neistat is.
0: Oh, God.
1: So, he, he's doing this uh, program for NBC. It, it hasn't started yet, but he was talking about some of the stuff they were doing. And they were uh, researching these uh, bot farms in um in, in Thailand. <laughs> so, they thought they, as you know, just like as an experiment, one of the tech guys that works, works with them, they decided to pay $20 to see how much 40,000 likes would do for him on Instagram. How would it, like, affect his, like would he notice? Would he, like, things change? But I was like, the thing that shocked me the most is that they just paid, like, 20 bucks for 40,000 likes.
2: <laughs> that, that like, that's to go in right? Mm. Pretty much. <laughs> Damn, I mean, could, be a, could be a superstar by tomorrow.
0: <laughs> I mean, we, were, we did look at them that race, remember, right? Yep. And... Well, there was one bot we discovered. Yes, and it was liking not just only Formula E drivers, was it American uh, Idol? Or no, something? it was it was
1: uh, the American version of The Voice. Oh wow!
0: <laughs> that was all this this thing um, was. It was hashtag fan boost and a driver, and then hashtag like
1: some contestant <laughs> on the show, The Voice. <laughs>
2: Jeez, that's
1: crazy.
2: But, I mean, Sam Bird talked about this the other day. Um, <sighs> Bird wants severe penalties for teams that are
1: abusing the fan boost. System. Yeah, because this is, like, literally, this is akin to race fixing.
2: Of course. Of course. And that's not...
0: I mean, I yeah. just, Like, I've just put in, like hashtag fanbase raw and fresh, and looked up the latest on twitter right so there's a couple going, like let's see a handful for the now like this weekend and then there's a handful for berlin and when i say a handful i literally mean there's like maybe 10 15
1: right
0: and then there's a handful for the, the like you've got people aren't bothering for certain track like i've I don't even bother for like either of my boys because it's like, why?
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it's 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 not great, and as you say, it is akin to race fixing. And this was always what I feared about the fanboo system going forward that somebody would abuse it and you know use social media, buy bots, and and basically spam results. And this I mean, is what's happening right now.
0: I mean, if there. Insisting on keeping it. There's like, off the top of my head, there's three or four ways. The first one is, you have the people that are attending the race, are your your ones fan boosting. Which, obviously, you would then have to hope that the fa- they they would know to do it and all that. Because I mean, mm-hmm. I did go to Paris and my video the person that won a bmw ride with andretti autosport because no other french person apparently followed andretti autosport
2: <laughs> shameless plug <laughs>
0: <laughs> but like but you would end up you'd probably have your your winner would then be based on the area which would be quite interesting when you get to places where there isn't really a local driver yeah. it's more of a mm-hmm. team um, your next option would be you can only win the fan boost so many times
2: even that, though, you, yeah, you, you would argue, you would argue that wouldn't be fair if a driver's uh-huh. that popular should be yeah. allowed to win as many times as uh-huh. possible. I like,
0: and oh, the, I,
1: like, I rather same have same sort it. of
0: vein would be like a cooldown where, like, you win it at this race, you can't win the next, which would probably be more with like your double headers, because like you're always getting the, if you're always getting the same people, then having a you can win this race, but you can't win the next.
2: I f- I think you- I think a two race cooldown would help.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Or my idea, just scrap the fan boost system altogether because I think I think it's I think it's gone too far at this point. Um. And I don't think it makes enough of a difference to the race anyway. To be honest with you, well, and it's- e- the
0: thing is, it's it's always going to the free drivers who are pretty much always at the front.
1: Yeah, so because like, they're the most visible visible in you know TV or press coverage of the race, so they're mm-hmm. obviously the people that you know that fans are going to gravitate to voting for.
0: Uh huh. So it's like they're not using it. It, it yeah. is kind of like like that would be your other option is you can't get it if you're like top three spots in the championship, was... in which case App could still get it.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much.
2: <laughs> pretty much. Uh, so yeah more on that soon last story before we go king made, a, made the 11th hour addition to the list just to make sure this podcast goes even longer oh, i'm, so, I'm uh,
1: sorry but you know i'm emerging out of out of the tunnel like you know f- three guys in bulletproof vests the, the shield is making its triumphant return go on <sighs> tell us more yes uh apparently indycar is considering uh testing the shield on, like, you know, that F1 was thinking about using. IndyCar is considering testing the shield on the 2018 car in uh, a couple of, th- of the tests when they roll out the car in August and some, like, other tests in September and October before next year. They're not sure if they're going to use it next season, but they want to see, you know, how it would feel for the drivers. And, like, the instant reaction of hearing the news drivers like it. Will Power likes it, uh, at, over at Canassi, Chilton and Kimball like it, but I think the most notable one is James Hinchcliffe, because Hinchcliffe kind of goes into detail saying that uh, that he thinks it's the future. He, he truly does. Right from the get-go, we were shown renderings of something similar on an IndyCar, and we all we all liked it it's it's functional it's sleek and it's safer. I mean, look back at the indie cars in the 1980s and you'll see they had flexi wind uh windshields for the drivers to look through but this sh- sort of version is actually functional and frankly cooler looking
2: that's so hinge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it um,
0: with Danson
2: yeah um. I've seen it, and I'm I, I'm glad IndyCar's all down for testing it because I'm all for more testing. And you know what? It does look sleeker, and if it's proven that it can work, then I haven't got a problem with it. So,
0: I mean, yeah, I'm all for in, it. And like, is like IndyCar will always try stuff. I mean, the like the safer safer barrier wouldn't have happened if like Tony George and IMS didn't put money behind it.
1: Yeah, they pretty much like, gave. They gave, like, Purdue University, like, just money. <laughs> just money. Just like, what can you do to make this safer? And just threw money at it.
0: I mean, it's it's now used, like, tracks around the world. You've got Iowa's wall as basically a safer barrier.
1: Yeah, it's only a safer barrier.
0: Uh, so, I mean, like, the series will take things and go, like, they don't, like, when it comes to safety, they don't, like, fuck
1: about yeah they don't if they if there's an opportunity to make the series safer they'll take it indeed and that's only a good thing yep but the first time we'll see the shield in action is this weekend in silverstone on Kimi raikkonen's ferrari oh i'm sure he totally won't complain about that <laughs> <laughs> i love how they pick like, kimmy because they they're like oh kimmy is like the most like against any change, so they always pick Kimmy to do the testing. Uh, Sorry, Kimmy, gotta take one for the team, because you don't like thing, it.
0: Uh, but it's like, surely you you also want technical feedback on it, in which case, like, Vettel, Alonso, Massa, like, Hulkenberg, like, the guys who are known for giving really good, like, tech feedback are the ones you'd want to be testing it. Well, I mean,
1: like, the only feedback is, like, is it close to your helmet? Can you see through it? Like,
0: (laughs) Yeah, but they're going to at least give you a bit more beyond. (laughs) It it wasn't too close to my helmet, and I can see through it, and I don't like it still. I'm pretty sure, like,
1: I'm pretty sure if, like, Kimmy would note any problems about it, since he doesn't like it. Mm -hmm yeah we'll have to
2: wait and see how that one rolls out okay i think we're just about done here folks um whew. i'm tired it's almost 11 p.m as you record this in the uk right now it's actually gone pitch black and i can barely see my own face which is probably a good thing that, um that gassy
0: ball in the sky is gone
2: Yay! <laughs> it's now just the misty darkness of night um and on that note I think we'll wrap it up. Faces, you can find us one more time, we're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101, facebook.com forward slash motorsport101, we're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101, at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, at Wee Zoe. And if you really, really like us, you can back us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Check out the new blog post as well on our website motorsport101.net. That'll do it for me. So good night from me and good night for Ryan King and Zoe Hamilton. Until next time. Thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you guys next time. Bye. Bye.
0: Later.
1: Dei to mate. You are the world champion. yeah I heard back from AJ Foyt and they were not pleased <laughs> Please tell me you're joking on this Oh oh well I did hear back from them but it, it was obviously they did not hear what we were talking about Whew. So,
2: so, so, no, so no lawsuit then <laughs> no lawsuit.